Welcome to episode 135, the Christmas Eve Eve special with none other than Elite Series angler Bradley Hallman. We talk about his journey back to Elite Series, how excited he is, how he's going to kick some butt on the 2023 Elite Series, and a whole bunch more. Truly enjoyed having Brad on. Super great dude. Super down to earth. And if you didn't enjoy this interview, then you probably don't enjoy bass fishing. Enjoy it. Thanks. This week's podcast is, as always, brought to you by Arsenal Fishing in a special, special promo. They're extending the Cyber Week to the Cyber Month through January 3rd, where all purchases on Arsenal Fishing website will be entered into a $500 sweepstake through January 23rd. And you can use code CYBERWEEK23, all one word, for 30% off the entire site. That includes all the in-stock items and all the pre-order items like the Sniker Swim Jig the new plier tools, many other things, and all the great existing things like Arsenal, tactical minnows, braid scissors, sunwear. It's a really good time to stock up on Arsenal. And if you think of it, tell them Hellabass sent you in the comments. All right, here we are live. Hellabass live, uh, Christmas Eve Eve edition. Special edition Friday night. This is actually the a second stream this week, and uh, nobody, else, none other than uh, Brad Hallman, to get us kicked off for a special Christmas episode to end the almost end the year. We'll, we'll do some next week. But what's going on, Bradley? Well, not much. Um, getting ready to enjoy the holidays, uh, probably just like yourself. I uh, I actually had just spent uh, the day with my daughters. I had my two oldest daughters. I got four children, but the two oldest, mm-hmm. eighteen and fourteen. 18 and 13, 14. She's going to be mad at me if I don't remember the difference. Got to be 14. Anyway, like they're old enough now that they can take dad and help him Christmas shop, you know? Like it's the day that every man dreams of. Like his daughters are old enough that you're like, all right, let's go to the mall. Help me do this. Let's get this done. You know what I mean? And they're at that age. And, uh, man, I carried a lot of bags around that mall today. I mean, a lot. But you know, it was a good time. Got to spend time together, and you know, that's part of part of the holidays. It's crazy how run around that we all spend our lives. That you've got to have something like this come up. But dude, great day, and uh, I'm glad to be here tonight. Yeah, I, I'm there. My girls are 12 and 14, so um, you know, we don't try not to go to the mall, but we did go to Target, and then we did pick some stuff out online, and then I just had to order it, so that was pretty easy. So. Dude, I avoid the mall like the plague, like the plague. Like I'm the guy that goes there like once a year or once every two years. Um, the girls took me into this makeup place today, <laughs> right in the mall. And I mean, like the traffic coming into the mall was like going to a Super Bowl football game, you know. And uh, we get in there, there's no parking or anything. You get in the mall, you know, and then this makeup store. And uh, they've got these little bitty items and all these people in the store, like it's – and I'm sitting there as a 48-year-old man thinking, there's a lot of shoplifting going on in this store yeah. right here this time of year. And, like, there's nobody watching. I mean, I know they got cameras and stuff, but, like, there's a lot of shoplifting going on in there. And I'm thinking, all right, so how much is this piece of makeup? And I pick it up and I look at it. I'm like, so they're allowing for so much to be shoplifted. They have to be. I've never seen anything like it. It was insane. And uh, I asked the girls. I was like, that looks like shoplifting central. And she's like, Oh yeah, they I've actually seen people in there putting stuff in their bag before. And I'm like, I bet just amazing. Different world we live in. 
Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> It'd be like if just having all the mega bass and the uh, the high end JDM baits mm-hmm. right out in front with no security, just right on the edge of the with hundreds of, the of people shopping, hundreds, yeah, hundreds of people shopping in there at once, and they've all got bags from another store. You know, this is exactly what it'd be like. Absolutely, <clears throat> yeah. I think uh, <clears throat> as men, <clears throat> especially as outdoorsmen, we love gift cards, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that works the other way as much, but like I, I love getting gift cards to like Omnia and Tackle Warehouse and you know places I can stock up on tackle. But uh, I don't know if my wife loves maybe a Starbucks gift card. But other than that, I'm not so sure she's so excited about a gift card. Dude, I'm terrible about getting those things for Christmas, and then like I see them in my sock drawer like a year later before I ever notice them again. I'm like, I need to go use that because that's like twenty five dollars, and then I will forget and I forget and I forget. I know that's why they like selling them because people like me never use them. It's just twenty five dollars for free. Yeah, uh, the, the digital ones are pretty good, right? Because then I just like you can go and just like put them into your account that way. Whatever, yeah. like yeah, yeah. But then like yeah, I do have like Dustin says I do have like some Cabela's Bass Pro gift cards that are like ten twenty bucks a piece that are like riding around in my laptop bag, and then yeah. I'm, like oh, like I went there and I forgot to use them again. Dude, how cold is it at your house right now? It is so cold that let's, my let's pregame, compete. my pregame beer in my garage was starting to freeze. Let's compete. I'm going to pull up right now where I live on the weather channel on my phone, the app, and I'm going to give you the outside temperature. And I know I live a long way south of you, and I'm hoping that mine is colder than yours right now. Hmm. Do you know what yours is? It says I'm negative five. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. And it feels like negative 30. Dude, that right there in Oklahoma is cold as balls. <laughs> that is cold. And it's like 8.30 at night and so it's 14 degrees. We That's haven't cold. been 14 degrees since what day's today? Friday. We haven't been 14 since Tuesday, and we aren't going to hit 14 again until Monday. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I heard a rumor about you today. We need to discuss this tonight. Uh-oh. Since it hasn't hit 14 in quite some time at your house. I heard you were obsessed with ice fishing. Is that true? <laughs> obsessed with not going <laughs> ice fishing would be the correct way to say it. Like this ice? Ice? Just for your tumbler not to be fished. <laughs> Don't care for it, huh? I mean, I, I haven't I, I did it in college and I haven't went since and I graduated in two thousand one. Yeah. You I don't just, care for it at all. Here's the thing. I wouldn't mind it, I guess, if like somebody wanted to invite me out and like they were biting, I'd be up for yeah. some ice harvesting. Yeah. But I ha- my dad and I had gear like through middle school and high school, and then somehow it disappeared when I was in college. Yeah. And I just never had the interest to go out and get a shanty and a auger and the little tiny two foot poles and reached. And I just never got back into it. I understand. I I don't know that I could ever get. It. I, you know, I live so far in the south. You know, dude, we were raised where like you you were just lectured by your dad like, do not ever go out on the ice. Like you will fall through because you know ice down here is you're going your ass is going through it and it's it's bad and so mm-hmm. i was just raised on such a you know don't go out on the ice it would be very difficult for me to walk out on 
Lake Winnipeg, probably, <laughs> knowing that there was water underneath me. It would be tough. I'm pretty sure after this cold snap, people are driving on the lakes right now. Yeah, no. Ah, <clears throat> that would scare me to death. I mean, I like I've I've driven on our lakes up here, you know, dozens and dozens of hundreds of times back, but that was 20 years ago. Like it was nothing to just like just peel down to the public access and then just drive out on the lake. So it's early winter right now. They're already driving on it, you think? They're going to be close. Up up northern Minnesota, I bet you they are. I guess people in chat. There's probably some people in chat that actually ice fish. I'm just saying after this cold snap, when it dips down this cold this long, I mean, it makes ice, especially because we don't have a ton of snow and the wind's blowing, so it's going to blow it off the lake. It'll, like, really make ice. So let me ask Uh, you this. We've probably discussed this before, but Derek Remitz was my roommate for six years. When when Remitz came out on tour and uh, won his first Elite Series event and then – uh, basically about one, two in a row. He finished first and second in the first two. Amistad, then we went out to California. He's my roommate. The then. We'd known each other for yep. a few years. He lived. He was from B Branch. No, that's where Larry Nixon's from. Gosh dang North, it. North Branch, Minnesota. He was from North Branch. Yeah, not B Branch. North Branch. Are you north or south of there? I'm about 45 minutes south of there. He's That's on the north side of Minneapolis, and I'm like probably a similar distance on the south side. Damn it. Is that cold where you are right now? Mm-hmm. Wow. Brian Casey lives in the metro and he said he drove out on the lakes today, three miles. Wow. Justin lives just west. He says we're driving. So <laughs> get an ice hut and get live scoping and bite Randy. That's a good one. Where's that? By the way, dude, you don't have this. Let's see if I can get this in the camera. This is a holiday. This is up. this is really good stuff. This is special. Okay, so I've at least got it to where you can read it. So have you ever had a Shiner Bock before from Texas? Yeah. Yep. So they make a holiday cheer, which is a Shiner beer for just during mm-hmm. the just during the holidays. It's pretty thick. But dude, it's it's a nice beverage over the holiday, no doubt. Give Shiner a plug here. I doubt you find that in Minnesota. Probably not. Cool. Got a few comments to so Happy birthday, Jim. <clears throat> so, several Christmas cheers. Nick says, congratulations, Brad. Obviously, kudos. I guess I haven't talked to you in person. I probably sent you a note or something, but congratulations oh, yeah. on making the elites. Welcome back. Thank it's you. It's been, what, 11 years since you left? It's the been over a decade, dude. That's how old I'm yeah. getting. Yeah. Right? 2011, I think, was your last season on the elites. Yeah. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Dude, it's so bad that I actually – Last night, I was sitting there, and uh, you know, you know who Ryan Nolan is. Ryan Nolan, Nolan Ryan is right, mm-hmm. pitcher for Texas Rangers yep. and Houston Astros and all that. Yep. Anyway, they had a documentary on him, and I'm like, damn, I'll watch this. Forty year old man that comes back and keeps pitching strong, and uh, I found some intriguing parts that like tie into myself. <laughs> it's pretty bad. The old man, the old man. He said that he was so old. When he was pitching for the Rangers, he said he didn't even think of himself as old. And somebody said something to him, and he said, I got to notice it. You know, like, obviously all the players that I played with were younger than me. Mm-hmm. The manager and assistant manager were younger than me. He's like, hell, maybe I am old. <laughs> like, everybody was younger than him. My, I mean, I I, he, I, I watched – I mean, I saw quite a bit of Nolan Ryan. Like, I mean, kind of in his – Towards the end, slightly prime, like when I was in middle school, high school, he would have still been pitching. And I just remember kind of towards the end, 
uh, I think it was Ventura from the White Sox mm-hmm. charged the mound and yeah, he pummeled. No one just disposed of him like a wet rag. And I was like, that was freaking mm-hmm. awesome. So if any of you guys get any ideas in the rim canal, come charging at Hallman. Hallman yeah. still got it. He'll take yeah. you down just like Nolan did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably for the same reasons, too, because we got charged when we were younger and we didn't take the aggressor side of it. And so, like, we made up our mind after the first time, like, okay, if this happens again, this is what we're going to do different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I don't want to forget this here. So uh, welcome, Caleb C., new uh, new member. Welcome to Team Hella, channel member. That's awesome. So he gets a, a one of us, one of us. Welcome, Caleb. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. Uh, a couple other comments here I want to get to. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so Ron says, best year, one of the favorites. A bunch of people said Hallman's a beast, one of their favorites. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. I, I enjoyed chatting with you it was exactly two years ago that we chatted uh december 20th 20 or 23rd or 23rd 2020 um and uh yeah i'm kind of looking forward to having you back on since we had a I good chat it's been that long good. dude i can't believe yeah. it's been that long That's and i feel like even though we haven't chatted you know obviously you've been on like you know with castledine and you're, you sneak on to btl from time to time so i yeah. feel like a lot of us keep up, but uh, so it doesn't feel that long, partly because of that. We, uh, you impressed the hell out of me, I guess about a year ago. Um, I mean, impressed the hell out of me, bro. Um, we had been up to a riders convention um, up on the Mississippi River mm-hmm. and uh, in Wisconsin. Were we in Wisconsin? Madison? Where were we? Lacrosse. Lacrosse. Yeah. Is that Wisconsin? And um, the week after we left, <laughs> y'all had that derby, and you just oh, crushed yeah. on them. I'm, I'm talking like within days. And dude, I've yeah. been out there fishing for three days. You crushed that big old bag, and I'm like, all right, I got street cred for that boy. Like that's legit. <laughs> like that's not easy because that place was tough. It had been beat to death all year long. It was a tough time of year, and that was that was very very impressive. Blind blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. You found a damn big good nut, I'll tell you that. Well, so that there's a funny story to that. So, um, the Bass Nation. So, I, I and I don't know if you ever did it, but obviously, you know, Pang Rack and he fishes the Bass Nation, right? So, we had our qual our qualifier was the year before to make that regional, and I finished 11th for our qualifier. So, I was the first man out. Okay. And then, basically, when you were down there, that Thursday afternoon or the Friday morning before practice it was either a day and a half or a one day before practice somebody had to drop out so you like already were down there just in case somebody no out? i just like you dropped just everything yeah. i mean I, I mean it's two and a half hours from my house um but i hadn't been down there all year but i, I kind of stayed prepared like i was like like i just like told people at work like if somebody drops out i'm gonna be gone that week <laughs> i told the wife and kids if somebody drops out right dad's headed down there and it happened and then actually practice was really tough i think i caught seven keepers in three days of practice and then i didn't have a fish in the boat till almost 10 o'clock the first day and then just started making things happen and ended up leading the tournament for two days and then almost almost finished it but not quite so it was very incredible dude like i said i've been there and uh we were kind of staying back in the back now, you know, a lot to shoot some video and different things. Yep. But I ventured out on the main river a few times because I've been there before. 
and mm-hmm. uh, tried to run a couple of little backwater deals that I knew about. They were kind of little sweet spots. And I mean, there's nobody there hardly when we were there. And so mm-hmm. and it was, it was tough. And then when I flipped it on and you had that bag, I was like, you go big boy. <laughs> Cause like, that's a street cred. Cause I knew it was not easy up there. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, last time we talked, you had just finished up season one of the opens going into season two. Yeah. Um, so it has been a while. <clears throat> so I kind of went watch the first beginning of that. And I couldn't remember. So you did spend three years fishing the opens to get back. Yeah. It took me three years to get through there. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this some, but, um, you know, when, when MLF purchased FLW, that was the very first year that, you know, that they purchased and all mm-hmm. that happened. And, and when we left, I don't know how my, I scoot up here closer to my microphone. Um, that was a big cliff to jump off of. And, uh, you know, now the cliff doesn't look quite so big as it did back then. But well, um, I don't think the sea's any higher, <laughs> but it's, the mountain has come back to the pack, I guess, a little bit. With yeah. Anyways. Yeah. At the time, it seemed like a giant cliff. And that's why you saw so few guys do it. Um, we knew what the opens were going to be as far as field size and, what that gauntlet was gonna gonna be, um, just from fishing for so many years against competition, you kind of had a pretty good idea of it wasn't gonna be easy. Now, I was hoping it wouldn't take me three years. I was hoping I could do it in one, but um, you know, at the end of each year, the first two years, I had a shot going into the last event. That's really all you can ask for. Um, obviously, this year I had better shot than I had two years before that, but I still. Last year, I had a pretty good shot. And then the year before that, it was probably an outside shot. But I still mathematically had a chance. But, man, it's uh, – that thing is all you want and then some. Um, that That's just the reality of it. And it's not changing. I mean, it's it's going to be the same thing and then some again this year with 180 boats all chasing nine EQs. That's, that's too big of a bottleneck, I feel like, in our industry, honestly. Um, I know that a lot of the, uh, here, we can go down this path. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of the elite series guys that are there, some of them that were there whenever I was there a decade ago that are still there. Um, they feel like that, you know, that's how it should be, but it's been a long time since they've had coinglers in the back of the boat. They've forgotten what that's like. They've been a little sheltered because of the nine or 10 guys that are coming in, um, there's some really good competition out there and some of the guys are unaware of what's actually exists. This is on both sides, not just the elite series. BBT yeah, guys too. Sure. Um, and they're a little bit naive to it. Not, not on purpose, just kind of the way things have worked out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we've grown this sport to the point where like the high school fishing, the college fishing and all the things that have gone on. I don't know how long that they're going to sit and take. Well, we've got six spots for you, even though there's 200 of you come make it. Um, Cause there's more than six of them deserving. And, you know, it, 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 that's an uphill battle traveling nine tournaments with, with the opens and uh, the expense that it takes to fish all nine events and come up just a little bit short. I can, you know, the list of, guys that I can think of right now top of my head, young guys, is is eight or nine, ten long 
of guys that definitely are capable of fishing at the top level. But, you know, in 2006, 2005, I guess, when I qualified for the Elite Series the first time, it was a lot different situation. Um, if you wanted to fish two or three divisions and you belonged, you were probably going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's it's different because there's just so many competitive, extremely gifted, knowledgeable anglers out there compared to what there was. You know, that, that's almost been that, 20 years ago. And I feel like back then they used to go down the list a lot further in the open. They like did. They, they'd the spots. They'd There'd be guys there. finishing – you know, somebody started declining it, right? They all of a sudden the guy in the twelfth, thirteenth spot to be like, "Hey, you're in the elites." <laughs> I remember Just, guys declining left and right. I mean, they they would go down the list 15, 16, 18, 19, 20 yeah. probably sometimes, just to get to the numbers that they needed. And then there were probably years where they they could go down that list as far as they wanted, and they weren't going to fill the spots. That's there's there's truth in that. Yeah, especially when that. I mean, there was kind of like when the elites first hit, it was hot. Things were going great, right? But then you had those years when they cut from 11 back to like eight events when kind of the depression times got a little tough there. And right. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume those years people weren't fighting to get in the elites quite so hard at that time. Yeah. That was 08, 09. So 08 when it all fell out. And I was there during that time frame. Um, 09 and 010, it did. It, it got things got tougher on everybody in the industry and everything. And you're right. There was the, we probably dropped field size at that point. Because I know in like 06, the very first year of the Elite Series, I mean, it was it was 110 or 111 guys, something like that. Yeah, I think. And I've got a book around. 115, like it was. It was a lot. Yeah. That was when ESPN had just purchased Bassmaster. Who's this kid in the AFCO beanie? I don't know. Yeah. Weird, weird local profile picture. Um, it took hurt. Yeah, I think. I'm hurt. But I think you also said, I heard you in, uh, I think you were, you know, if it didn't work out the way it did, you were, weren't sure you had another year in you for the opens. I thought is what I heard you say. You were correct. Um, That's probably me talking right off the cuff um, after a really long year. And, uh, and I made that comment and I did. I was like, I don't know where I could have, I know how bad year two was um at the end of it dude I, I got youtube videos about it about like questioning my my want to questioning my drive questioning lots of things and dude it was like i was glad it happened when it happened because i i really <laughs> questioned whether i had another year left in me i say that i think i did but man at some point like i, I don't know i don't know what you know, I quit fishing in 2011, quit for good, like selling my boat, all my tackle. And, you know, that was, that's for some of these trophies behind me. And so that didn't work either, but dude, I'd quit. I mean, 2011, yeah. I was done, like never fishing again the rest of my life ever. But, yeah. you know, I mean, that was, that was, you know, right when, whatever, whatever, September, early, whatever, when that, right, like late in the fall. Right. When, <clears throat> yeah. Right. When it was like over. you just fished all nine and like, when you were sweating it out right i'm sure there would have been a lot of probably flip-flopping back and forth as you closed in on registration deadline for you know the eqs but hey we're glad you made it (laughs) dude it's just hard i mean it was very hard for me and i don't i don't think a lot of guys publicly come out and say that i'm not ashamed to say it at all like that is difficult i mean that is 
that is the most difficult thing I've done in fishing. And I, I, I knew it was going to be going in. Now, part of that is because I'm just not a very good points angler. I never have yeah. been. It's not my style. It's not that I don't try to be my style. It's not that I don't try to form to that. It's just what becomes attractive to me on the water doesn't fit well into being a good points angler. Yeah. Um, my style and what's attractive to me tends to be, and it's not like you think all this out and you make these decisions. Um, it's just what happens. But like, if I can get two or three good bites, good bites, the ones that count, I'm like, let's go chase this and see if we can get five of them. Yep. It, it's just hard to turn that down, you know, and at 11 o'clock in the morning when you don't have fish in the boat, most guys are like, all right, where can I go to catch a limit? I'm like, the hell with the limit. You know, we're in Florida. If I can catch three, way more than a limit. Let's just go see if we can catch them. You know, I mean, it's just the way that I think. It's, it's the way I'm instinctual, if that makes sense. So I know I'm not a good points angler. Dude, I never even won the points in the BFLs in Oklahoma in all the years that I fished here. Like, I let it few times let it going into the last event two different years in a row but i never won it i couldn't win the points because i don't know some four pounder somewhere ghost would lead me away to think i could go catch it somewhere i guess yeah well and there's been a lot of guys that made good careers and you've made a good career up to this point i mean you know you've got several red trophies back there to prove that that system yeah. works and you know if yeah. you can you know i mean there's a lot of guys like <clears throat> you know, swindle and lowen until recently. Right. And there's probably a list of other easy 10, 12, 20 guys you could list that have just been journeymen. They have been consistent. They've made a bunch of classics, but mm -hmm. they've never really popped a win. Mm -hmm. And then there's the guys like yourself that have a couple major wins and, you know, you make some championships, you don't make some, but like you can do it both ways for sure. <clears throat> there's, there's no one way to do that. Dude, those trophies to me, like they're just there forever and they don't go away. Money spins and all that. We can talk about me finishing 15th in the AOI every single year. What, what the hell ever? Screw all that. I want I want the wood. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, want, sure. I want this over my head. Like, I want to know that I beat everybody there, and I want the names to be, you know, Jason Christie, and I want them to be, you know, I want them to be those guys. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And, and just to some degree, right, I think there's – the guys that have made a career of it by being consistent, <clears throat> I don't want to be harsh, but guys that have two tour wins or more are a lot more remember, you know, memorable and stick out. And, you know, I mean, that publicity you get from being a multi-winner, you know, there's, yeah. there's quite a few guys that win one and you don't ever see them again, but yeah. the, you start to go people with multiple tour wins, right? That list yeah. gets short real quick. Real quick. It does. It gets short real, real quick. It's actually amazing how short it'll get. Um, you think of guys and you're like, he's never, he's never done that before. That's amazing. Um, it's, I don't know, to me that that's just what I enjoy. You know, I mean, that, that is, I heard Hackney talking about this the other day in a podcast and dude, it's the damn truth. If you could take that feeling of what that is and you could pour it in a bottle and put a lid on it, sell it, uh, man. I mean, there's no drug that beats it. Like it's the best drug in the world. And it's not, it's not just the winning. It's 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 knowing that you figured it out, you know. Like when the process starts going through your mind, when you almost start feeling like evil can evil on the water, and you're like, oh, wait till I go do this, it's about to get better. And it works, you know. Like, and you know it's gonna work before you go do it. And it just it just keeps getting better and better and better. Like that's a feeling that 
like I said, if you could put it in a bottle and sell it, it'd be worth a lot of money. I yeah, mean, even it's the high like no other. Even within the tournament, right? Like that that lacrosse thing, right? When I was like, I didn't have a fish, and then yeah. I was like, the water was rising, and I was like, what about that one sand drop that was almost dry that I found in practice? And then I roll yeah. up and I catch a three and a half, and I'm like, hmm. Oh. Roll around the corner, catch a three on a frog, right? And then like throw a sea rig and catch a big smallie on a different spot, and all of a sudden, yeah. yeah. You're like starting to fish everything that you was just dirt when you started, yeah. and you're like, oh, they're coming up with the water, like yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, man, and like figuring it out in the moment. And, uh, you know, like I said, when, when you start in your mind and you can see the future on it and then it starts working, it, it gives you a lot of confidence. It's a really, really great thing. Yeah, and absolutely. And the tournament's part of it, but also there's a bunch of people that, you know, fun fish that watch this as well, right? There's still those things. You make that adjustment and you're rewarded. Like that, that's just it. <laughs> that's what we're all looking for. Uh feel bad i forgot to turn the christmas lights on so there we go we i'm laughing at panger and all these comments you realize he's in here i guess you posted yeah. a minute ago yeah i haven't been uh keeping up here but uh, i did so I, that's kind of interesting like uh jig squad says you know the, the opens are the real deal and it's getting even tougher mm-hmm. it is and i think it is like i mean obviously percentage wise i think you can make the argument right nine yes, out of 175 is a better percentage than three mm-hmm. out of 200 but 100 but also right and then the three out of 200 you can't have one bad day out of six whereas nine out yeah i mean but then the competition is it uh, changes the game too you know like what you're shooting for that's what a lot of guys don't understand is like it changes the format of which how you're fishing when it was three divisions which a lot of guys thought when that thing came out that I was like all for the nine. And I, and I think it's great the way they're doing it. And I understand it. But me personally, I like to gamble too much. Like I, I, I like the old format better. It's almost like you get four bingo cards, you know, instead of just getting one, you know, you can play the overall for three spots or you can play each division for three spots. And like, even if you mess up here or there, you still got a division. I just, I, I always like that system better. Now, does that bring the best overall angler to the Elite Series? Probably not. And the nine, definitely, you know. But it changes the strategy. So, like, if I'm fishing this year and I'm fishing all nine, I'm going to fish that different than each division. Because each division to finish in the top three, dude, you've got to catch them big time. I mean, it's stupid, the numbers that the top three have. Like, it's 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 really, really – I think it was 40 or 45 is what we finally figured out. Like, you couldn't finish before – below 40 you basically had 50 points right like that's no that's what it was yeah you basically had 50 points that's what it was so yeah you couldn't finish below 45 i mean if you finish 45th or you could do it one time then you'd have to top five the next two right and even then they'd have to be like a first and a fourth or first and third or something yeah that's the deal you had 50 points so out of three tournaments i mean it was stupid you had to catch them really good and those were all for the most part 225 boat fields not 200 which i've heard I know that Hank was talking about this, and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this publicly, but, dude, that field's supposed to be 250 this year. They raised it 25 more boats. Hmm. And supposedly, once they went, like once the 175 filled, when they opened it up to each individuals, it took nine minutes to fill those spots. Yeah. <clears throat> Quite the scuttlebug. Which means those, uh, the other thing, right, those, those extra, whether it's 50 or 75 boats, they got in those single divisions. Mm-hmm. Those people are in there because they think they can win those events. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those are 
filled right. with mostly locals and guides and you mm -hmm. know people regional anglers that fish those circuits a lot yeah um, how did Hallman, what's that one how where's that tennessee deal tennessee and oklahoma become perfect if oh well, tennessee yeah. didn't have anything to do with that um i wish i could say it did but it didn't I just saw the Tennessee Oklahoma got my attention. By the way, I loved your Tulsa time deal on the social media. I pay attention. Cool. I like that, dude. I like that. You, you said that was gonna be your walk-in music, right? Or did you, did you change your mind? No, I had it's like I'm in between. We'll get okay. into that in a minute. But um no, the the Florida punching deal, it's just flipping. That's all huh? Oklahoma. It's different. It's a grass flipping, but it's still just flipping to us. hundred percent. Well, it's probably like growing up flipping in Oklahoma, and then you probably learned to flip grass on your first stint on the Elite Series where you got to, right, to fish all these grass lakes. Yeah, we'd have no grass in Oklahoma whatsoever. Um, so I will say this. It took – and this is no lie. It's not just me. All of us are like this. Um, when I won Okeechobee, uh, the first FLW tour that I fished, uh, Jason Christie actually sent me a text. and He was like, you son of a bitch. He's like, I've been watching video and you've got that hook set figured out. What he means by that is, is like here in Oklahoma, we flip fluorocarbon primarily in and out of the bushes. We're not flipping braid and we're not flipping two ounce weights. Um, down there, up here, we're slacklining them. You know, Jason and I both, all of yep. us are. And if you slackline them with braid and a big weight, all you do is blow their mouth open. So if you really start watching a lot of videos, some of the best big mat punchers, you know, you'll notice that they're initiating their hook set off of a tight line and it's not a slack line deal. And so it's almost, it's hard because you flip in there and it's the best bite in the world. You know, it's yeah, and it's hard not to just throw rod at them and whack. But if you do, you know, you run such a big risk of, of, of losing them. So it's more of a, Hey, that's her. So let's reel down. And like I say, you just initiate the hook set off a tight line and you're golden. I mean, you still knock the hell out of them, but it's got to be initiated off tight line. And so that, that took some time. And I went through that learning curve through a lot of years where I made mistakes. And uh, obviously Jason still had a little bit of it too. Cause he's like, you son of a gun, you got it figured out. Um, but he noticed it too on video. It, it, it's, it's a different deal. And like I said, we have no grass in Oklahoma, so it's, it's a little bit tougher for us, but as far as reading the water and what you see with your eyes when you're fishing, it's the same stuff, like the thickest, the heaviest. It's 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 somewhat like bush fishing. The edges, like it's it's still, you know, the points, the whatever, you know, it's it it still has some relationship. Yeah. And that that holds true even up here. Like when I first started dabbling with braid and flipping one ounce weights on milfoil edges and stuff, like <laughs> I missed a lot of fish and really good bites because my hook set was all wrong from slack line and fluorocarbon to that like it, it so that that's not just a florida thing like that 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 happens up here too <clears throat> how do you not break the line hook set so, i don't know i don't not tie how a polymer the line slack <laughs> lining the hook set with fluoro well a lot of it has to do with your rod so like uh castle Dine was talking about this the other day and he was flummoxed about it he was like you know perplexed he was like um, it's because his rod is so damn stiff that he was breaking them. He was talking about sight fishing at Grand Lake and it, his rod was too stiff. And so he was breaking fish off 
he wanted he wanted to sight fish with braid when he got yep. there. This has been years ago, but he wanted to sight fish with braid, and then he realized like he wasn't. It was taking him too long to catch fish, or couldn't get him to bite. And we were staying in the same house together, and we were both catching them pretty good. But he, I, he asked what I was slipping, and I'm like, I'm, I'm you know I'm catching them on 20 pound fluorocarbon. So he goes 20 pound fluorocarbon. Well, his rod's too damn stiff. He's got this you know basically a frog rod, and he he broke off a few. So it took him a while. Um, the guys down in grass, this is something I've noticed, especially with like Castledine and Cecil. So Russell Cecil and Todd are both from Texas and they fish a lot of grass. They were throwing falcons and I'm throwing falcons. If you ask them what's your flipping rod, what's your Carolina rig rod, what's your jig rod, and then you ask me, it was amazing how they were different every time. But all they were, they weren't like majorly different. Theirs was just like one step stiffer, you know, one step harder every single time. And uh, we got to noticing that one night and we were talking about it. And I think that it's the, the, it's the vegetation because with them, with the grass, when they set the hook, you know, if a fish is around grass or whatever it gives. And so they need that stiffer rod to really get a good hook in them. Whereas where I'm from, it's, it's, it's wood or rock, a dock, it's something that's not given. So there has to be some give back. And dude, I honestly believe that's the difference between the two of us, between me and them is their vegetation and me on hard cover. Um, their rods are just, just, just a hair stiffer. Yeah. And, and honestly, there is no, like that. I preach that, right? Like <clears throat> the knot you tie, the hook, the line you use, the, the way your drag set, the way your rod, like it's mm -hmm. all a system and mm -hmm. it has to balance. For you, he has yeah. to work with your mechanics, right? So yeah. that's all. There is no like single right way. You really just have to like get your equipment dialed to your mechanics so that it works for you. Now, I will say this in that question that they're asking about slackline, and I mean it's twenty-five pound test fluoro, so it's not like I'm I'm flipping when I'm truly flipping and slackline, and it's not it's not light. It's it's twenty-five pound sunline, and I call it my Khmer line. You know, southern word mm -hmm. Khmer. Come here. Come here, line, and I've got my drag so don't get your ass in the boat, which means it's cranked down as tight as it'll go. Yeah. And I used to like I used to tie the Palmar knot forever. And I every once in a while I would pop one because it just wasn't yeah, quite right. I don't, I don't, I don't and now that I've went to that double Pitson, double San Diego jam type mm -hmm. knot, not that's what I do too. But you know, I mean, Scott Martin couldn't believe it. <laughs> a couple of years ago, when we were running together the first year in the opens. He's like, Yeah, I tie Palomar on everything. I'm like, You do what? Because, like, I had quit doing that years ago because of what you're talking about. I was breaking it on the hook set. And uh, I do believe that if you're tying that knot right, putting your little finger in there and making sure the loop doesn't overlap, it, it probably keeps some of that. But that double knot at San Diego Jam is it's a good flipping knot. I don't break it, so that's what I tie. Well, it's, it's bulletproof. You don't – the thing is, the polymer, you'll tie it 78 times perfect in a row, and then you'll be in a hurry one time, and it won't quite be right, and then you'll pop it on a fish. Do you know about the trick where you slide it down and put your finger in it? Shaw Grigsby showed me that one time, and it's really cool. You know, you run your you run your line through, you double it over, and then when you go to pull it down, the big loop that's there, if you'll stick your finger through it and like hold it down on the table, you know, like this as you as you pull the knot tight, you'll actually see that line flop over. That yeah. loop will it'll flop over and come down smooth, and so it never cinches on itself. It's like side to side anyway. I think that may be the way to get that thing hundred percent. But he showed me that after I had the San Diego double jam done and I'm like not going back. But Scott Martin's still throwing it, dude. And he's caught more bass than all of us. So I don't know. 
So here's uh, Steven says, uh, you ready to flip a jig? And I actually like, I got a little something here I want to add here. I don't have a, a favorite lake that I'm looking forward to the most, but I will say that the first six on the schedule, all six of them are fine with me. All six, all six, and I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but all six, there could be a fish laying on a bed somewhere. So, like, I'm not going to have to. I'm, I'm, I'm coming with flipping stick, and I'm going six inches deep for the first six tournaments. That's how I'm going to fish. There ain't no ifs, ands, or buts. I will not make the mistakes I've made many years and try to mix it up and do this and that. It will not happen. It'll be frog, swim jig, flipping stick, covering six inches of water. That makes me just want to take my Garmin and throw it in the lake and pick up a jig and get after them. And all that while wearing my Garmin hat, both videos. Like, I'm like looking at that going, damn, Almond, you need to put on a different hat. Like, I didn't realize I was wearing this one so much, but uh, that just got me fired up to go just yank on some largemouth, is what that made me want to do. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a big deal for me, Rich. Like, I, I visited with some of my buddies are on the Elite Series, you know, and, and, and they've been there forever. And, talking to them about it. And uh, this is the smallest field that I will have fished against in, since I left, over a decade. This this will be the smallest field that I fished against. I like that. Like, mm-hmm. that gives me a lot of excitement. That along with the fact that it's early in the season. Why are you all out of focus, bub? I don't know. This webcam needs to... Your hand I think it's part because my, my ring light went out, so it's not getting backlight. So I think you, you, had one, you have a ring light. Yeah. Well, not anymore. It's going to get go thrown in the trash. That's good. <laughs> That's what you need for Christmas. Yeah. Try to see if we can trick it. It usually only does it when I'm like playing with baits and like. I can see the creases in your hand perfectly. Yeah. Like up here, it's like, oh, look how nice your webcam works. And then yeah, I know. Dude, it'll, got... it'll figure it. we'll figure it out. Anyway, I, I, I go through the same stuff here at the house. Um, I'm, I'm just excited about the field size. I'm excited about the fact that they're springtime events on premier lakes at the best time of year. And, uh, I just want to take advantage of some things that I didn't take advantage of years ago when I was there before show up Amstad, Santee Cooper, California Delta. I mean, just slugfest events. <clears throat> and I don't generally do real well in slugfest events and I don't know why I want to like, it's just how the hell can you not get excited about going somewhere to potentially catch a 30 pound bag, you know, the dirty 30. So yeah, just don't go let Johnny Cox be the only one to do it. Go join the party. So, yeah. So I guess, yeah, going forward. I mean, I I like that you got a mission. Hopefully we didn't, we didn't out you. And now everybody knows your strategy for the first six events here. I I don't think I'm the only one with that strategy. I actually heard Larry Nixon talking about the same thing. He's very excited as well. It's like they can have the electronics. They're gonna be on the bank. Yeah. So speaking of flipping, Hallman did design the BFE. Um, Banger had a lot to do with it too. Yeah. I mean, co co design, mm-hmm. um, big part of that. There's actually some really good episodes on VTL. If you really want like the dirt, there's like whole shows where they're walking through that. So that's probably. Um, I've actually got a YouTube of the whole design. Of oh, yeah, the, you do, too. Yeah, you got a video on your channel. My daughter right? drawing out the bait. Uh, me yep. and Panger talking on the phone about the, the night that we named it. Like everything. So, since we talked about going shallow and, I mean, I, 
where, where do you stand on big baits? Is that like in tournaments in the elite series? Is that something you do have situationally or is that something you don't even want to cloud your mind with? Like, where do you stand on? So if we go to California and we're on clear Lake, I'll throw whatever. I don't care if it's 14 inches long. Cause I've, I, I know that it works there. Um, we go to Gunnersville. I'm not going to throw a 14 inch bait, but we go to Gunnersville and I'll throw an eight inch bait, you know, May and June. I have no problem throwing big swim baits then. It just depends on where we are and how I can put it in my arsenal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not looking to go throw. So like the glide baits and stuff, um, I'm not. Dude, and I fished with some of the best glide baiters in the world. And we spent time together in the boat, them explaining it to me and showing me how they throw it. The glide bait's great. I may throw it some in practice, right? Um, Just may not throw it in the tournament. Look, what a lot of those guys are using that thing for in tournament aspects. I don't think this is some big secret, but it's definitely something that's not public knowledge. Maybe you know this. I don't know. You know where I'm going with this? They use it for search baits in practice. And how do they do using it so? They probably don't even throw hooks on it. <laughs> or, or well, they, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're looking for bed fish okay. yeah. that are deeper than you could see. Mm-hmm. And so when you throw that glide, they'll come chase it and show themselves. Now, you're not going to catch it, but all you got to do is know exactly where it came from and come back and – throw a BFE, a 25-pound test fluorocarbon, and slackline that bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what that's what it's about. Yeah, I, I feel like I always carry, like, my swim bait boxes, thinking that someday I'm going to be in a tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to roll into Murray, and uh, 11 o'clock day one, you already got 24 pounds in the box, and you're like, maybe I should take out a – a mag draft or a glide bait. And then like, but I feel like also like when you're rolling like that, I, I always think like, well, if you're catching them on a jig, then you just keep throwing the jig or whatever it is. Right. Like, I don't know, but it always feels like in my mind when I'm not fishing that like I keep the swim bait there situationally where I feel like I'm already capped out. And the only way to move up is to throw the swim bait, but I don't, A, that doesn't happen a ton. And B, once you're like in the heat of the moment of catching a big bag, your mind is like, I'm dialed. I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going to, you know. Yeah. I saw Thomas somebody. Wants, go ahead. Oh, Thomas wants to know if we're getting the BFE and the sensation material from Big Bite. I haven't heard that. No. That sensation stuff is primarily, not all of it, but a lot of it is very smallmouth driven. Not that the BFE couldn't be a good smallmouth bait. We could probably make a smaller one where you could put it on net head. It'd be pretty, pretty slick. Um, Somebody had just asked when I cut the tail on the BFE. That's always been since that bait's come out. We just wanted that bait to be different than anything else on the market. And so, therefore, we didn't split the tail. Um, I don't split the tail. Um, the years past, like, you know, beavers flipping beavers and stuff like that, I don't split the tail on them. And a lot of people are like, I won't throw it without splitting the tail. But, uh-huh. dude, it, they catch them just the same. But um, I do split the tail when I use a BFE for a jig trailer. Hmm. I use a BFE a lot for a jig trailer, and uh, I do split the tail with a pair of scissors when I do that. Yeah, so Sean's um, basically asking, why, why is flipping, you know, straight line, 80-pound Dacron fell to the wade side for, for you know, in, in favor of pitching? 
I think that for the most part, and I, and I do like scissor flipping, but it's in places like Florida and California where D. Thomas was doing it. It's environment. It's target-rich environments. Target-rich environments when you're very close to the target. So like a bunch of reeds where you don't want to just flip and then make another flip six inches or a foot down the bank. You want to make it every six inches down the bank. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because if there was a fish there, she could miss the bait. If you moved six inches over, she'd never see it. And that's, to me, when the scissor flip becomes effective because you can get more faster and closer, but yet your boat speed's not going very fast. A target-rich environment, a very, very target-rich environment. If that doesn't exist, then the pitching is better than the old scissor flip. Um, and quite frankly, I've just – I've pitched so much in my life, and it's so fast. Like D. Thomas wasn't flipping with an eight-to-one reel which is what I flip with now. Mm -hmm. um, it would take him much longer to wind in with a five to one or a six to one than it does me with an eight to one. And just out of habit, it's just so fast that I can, you know, pitching, but there are still some times that I flip. But like I say, when you see, when you see guys that are really good at it, you know, Andy Morgan Hackney, when you see them scissor flipping, I guarantee you it is a very, very target rich environment, very target rich. Yeah. And I think it kind of, it typically is something where it's like new fish, new water, new, like back when D really like popped the top off that, those fish literally had not been touched. Like it was no. like brand new, fresh fish that hadn't mm -hmm. seen lures, but now, you know, with fishing pressure and education and, you know, it's harder to find those fish that you can get right up on top of and get. Yeah. Bow positioning is a big part of it. Yeah. You can't get that close to a lot of them anymore. Back then, you know, they were in the cover and didn't spook them. Now they're like, hmm, there's a boat there. I can hear your trolling motor and your electronics knocking. You know, you've got Hummingbird at 360 and Garmin live scope. <laughs> they can hear it all. And I can hear that you got a nick in your trolling motor prop. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Let's see here. So you mentioned reels, eight to one. What, what kind of reels are we rocking? Last time we talked, you were still uh, using disposable Chinese reels. What are we, what are we using these days? Yeah. And, I, and I've had those. I mean, when we talked about that two years ago, I won that. Um, well, both those FLW tour events with Chinese reels, man, what happened was, is, is, you know, you're buying those things on online at, I don't even remember where I was getting them gone blank, but basically out of China. And, uh, those, those same reels don't exist. They're always changing them, and, and there's no name on them because they're in Chinese lettering. And uh, I should go get some of those. Everybody talks about them so much. But they were like $20 a piece. But they were good reels. Like, I could use them for a year or two, a lot, bunch of them. Eh, you know, one out of 15 might go straight in the trash, but, like, it's $20. But it's just all been Shimano's again. You know, it's just easier to spend a couple hundred dollars on Shimano and use it for a long time. So, I just buy Shimano's. My deal with the real sponsor is, is that uh, I've been with Falcon so long and they don't make a reel. Mm -hmm. And so everybody else that makes a reel makes a rod. And so they're like, yeah, Almond, we'd love to have you, but you got to use everything. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not doing that. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. But Shimano's, without a doubt, day in, day out. I've used them since I was a kid. It's always been my favorite. Tried a few Daiwas, like them. They're okay but I, I don't think they're Shimano's. I never have. 
Shimano day in day out. And I don't I don't buy that real expensive stuff either. You know, two hundred dollars Shimano and I'm good to go. It'll last for years. I mean, Candy's still rocking some of those green ones. <clears throat> yeah, I used to uh, clean my own reels back in the day. I had a whole bunch of those green ones, and God, they lasted forever. That's probably the best lasting reel of all time. We kind of talked about like you know flipping and shallow. Do you, are you uh, do you turn your electronics off when you? Mm-hmm. So you feel like in those first six tournaments, gonna be quite a few times where you're gonna shut yeah. everything down and. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I don't. I don't like mine chirping. I haven't liked that since the '90s. I turned mine off. First time I heard one in a garage, you know, when the boat's in the garage, and you're like, yeah, it's pinging off. You're like, tick, 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 tick. Yeah, turn that stuff off. That's a good question, Dustin. Like, how many people have actually, like, I definitely have flipped. Um, partially because uh, I grew up a little a little bit older than Panger, but I did casting kids for like one year before I aged out of it. So I had to, mm-hmm. had to flip for the casting kids target. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I have done it. And there are some situations still up here, like on the river, Mississippi you'll get some of those really big river laydowns where you'll want to get up and they'll be duckweed and matted up in there and you'll, you know, let's sit there and daub, you know, each mm-hmm. little hole. And that's the kind of situation where like you can let the current sneak up on it and then you can be quiet and like, you know, pick something apart. <clears throat> but there's probably a lot of people that haven't really done true flipping. That's probably true. see what else is uh so what uh, there's been a few questions in here about traveling uh you ha- you hanging out with anybody have you made plans it's still coming together no it's just being suck up um okay. yeah it's you know the elite series a lot of the guys that i do know they've all kind of got their their little clicks and stuff and of course john and i've been in one um so it'll just be john and i it's easy we're both from oklahoma uh, mm-hmm. good friends and um, it just works good for us. So, like I said, a lot of people have kind of already got their little, their little clicks right. and quirks working. And I've got multiple guys that I've roomed with before on the elite series right now that, uh, Brian Schmidt, uh, Scott, mm-hmm. and actually a few more, but they, I hadn't even called them about it. Cause like, I know that everything's working smooth and it's hard to be the, you know, the third wheel and, uh, John and I've been rolling anyway. Panger or Upshaw, or if not both of them, could very well qualify next year. Is my hope, and so you know the house gets a lot bigger once those guys come on board. So um, I'm looking for both those guys hopefully next year. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, yeah, I mean obviously, like you did, like you said, you, you room for Scott and some of those guys, but it's not it's not as easy as it sounds to add a fourth or a fifth person to a house because that changes the houses you can get. And, you know, the, and the so biggest, like... <laughs> the biggest thing, dude, is parking. Yeah. Think about it. You know, when you start adding another truck and another boat, if you're three deep, then you got to add a four truck and boat and, and dude, four and a four. And a lot of these places we stay, have barely have room for two more or less four. So that that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. We do, the, you know, for our state tournament, we have 10 guys in our club with five boaters and five non-boaters. So finding a place where you can park five rigs is, is not easy. <clears throat> right, right. It is very discombobulated quickly. Yeah. So is there any time you don't? So when you say 25-pound test, that means – like, is there other times that you drop below 25 or? 
I mean, my rule of thumb is, yeah, we're, we got to talk about some pretty clear water if I'm if I've got a big rod and I'm going to go down to twenty. Um, flipping, sure, flipping some docks maybe with twenty, but I'm not flipping bushes with twenty. Mm-hmm. If I'm flipping anything at all, if that line's going over or around, I'm I'm twenty five. 25 fluorocarbon. I, and I'm not using fluorocarbon. We're not using even Jason. Like none of us are using fluorocarbon in Oklahoma because the water's clear. It has nothing to do with it. Like they can't see it. Um, it has to do with the wood. Yep. And, and digging in. Yeah. The fluorocarbon is just less maintenance, right? So it just flows. It makes your day like braid. It's like hung up in there. The wind blows, it gets around a piece of bark, it's hung up and it twists. It's just a lot less maintenance. And it's just a lot faster. And we don't have seven, eight pounders to break us off in there. I'm not saying we don't have one or two, but for the most part, you know, we don't get broke off in there. So um, that's why we like fluorocarbon. How often do you go heavier than three quarter or one ounce when flipping shallow cover? Uh, shallow cover is a word because a lot of times with hard cover, like what we're talking about bushes and stuff, it has to do with the depth of it. So shallow cover higher than that, um, I would say less than 10% of my flipping, but it's anytime there's mats and things like that, you mm-hmm. know. So non-grass, I mean, so non-grass, what's your typical bush? Like, depends on the weight, but like. Quarter to three-eighths. Yeah, so pretty light. Uh, maybe half. Now, as it gets deeper, you know, like a lot of our stuff floods and it'll get 10, 15, 20 foot high, you know. I don't want to flip a willow tree that's 15 foot deep to the bottom with a three-eighths ounce weight. Mm-hmm ounce and a half straight to the bottom so benedetta wants to know how i mean so we kind of talked that little video kind of suggested right like uh swim jig lbj bfe what, what other some of your confidence baits that you're excited to to always have on the deck this year definitely a spinner bait I mean, I'm a big spinnerbait guy. Really like chatterbait. Um, I really like square bill, and I really like a lot of different topwaters from buzzbait to plopper to uh, spook. Um, a frog. I'm really big on a frog. Man, I'm happy with anything. You know, I call it six inches deep, and I know it's a little bit deeper than that with a lot of places, <laughs> you know, a foot or two. But, like, anything in that realm, I'm good with. I mean, day in and day out, that's, I mean, that's how I like to fish. I did finally uh, get my, uh, my 34 on my boat and didn't get the, I mean, I didn't put Garmin and LiveScope on my boat till like September last year. And I finally got to play with it late last year, right in November is things right before the cliff fell here. And I caught some, had a good day with jerk baits around over some milk oil and coontail. It was pretty fun. So I'm partly me is excited to go out and, and, and use the front facing sonar more, but then again, day in and day out, I like to, to flip a jig and do things like that. Um, one of those questions on there, ever punch a jig instead of a punch rig? Dude, when this whole thing started down in Texas, uh, we used to call it dropping a jig. So like Toledo Bend, uh, Amistad, yeah, on scrapes. Um, Amistad especially. Dude, we had some 20-foot outside grass lines. Can you imagine how I drill a 20-foot? Like I hadn't seen that in a long time. But we had it, and it was really, really good. And we were all dropping jigs. We had the uh, Lockhart's. There's a guy down in Texas that was making them. It's mm-hmm. one of the first ones. And we had like some ounce and a quarter, ounce and a half. And I still got them. Uh, jigs with a 
you know, a meat hanger Gamagatsu in them. And uh, they were, they were wonderful baits and we definitely dropped those. And then I know in Florida, they do it a lot with that double weed guard jig. Um, Medlock. Medlock. And they do it in the summertime a lot of times. And I've got a bunch of them. Uh, dude, if I can, if I can get away with the jig, I'll, I'll flip a jig. I have no problem with it. I love throwing a jig. A lot of times I'm punching um, the BFE. I've got, I've got a skirt on it a lot, a mm. lot, a lot more than what most people are doing. I, I use the skirts a lot. So I'm basically so flipping those punch jig, rig skirts where you absolutely. flip a skirt under your, or do you, mm -hmm. do you buy the rigs or do you just slide? I don't like the ones. Your... I don't like that weight. It's got that little deal on it. Um, I really, and dude, that's one thing that's really not out there on the market a lot that I like. I don't like any of the ones that's got the aluminum, you know, mm -hmm. around your line. I don't like any of that, but gambler makes a really good one. I like theirs. Um, you know, it's got a soft material around the skirt that goes around your line. So nothing's ever going to cut it. But, uh, yeah, I use, I use skirt a lot. Hmm. So that's cool. basically flipping a jig. And I have a really good hookup ratio with, with flipping plastic like that. A jig tends to get hung up more, right? No matter what, what, what you're doing, like it doesn't go in and out as easy. It's kind of like going back to the braided line around wood. It's just lower maintenance and it flows easier throughout the day to where you get more casts. And at the end of the day, if you add all that up, you're going to end up with quite a few more flips. All right. We got a, a run on rod questions here. So we're going to knock okay. out, we're going to go rapid fire on some rod questions. So Dan wants to know what's your fluorocarbon flipping rod. Falcon Amistad extra heavy. And is that only in one series or is that? Could be in any of them. I don't care. They make it. In all I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not. A, they I'm do. Not a they make it a low rider. So it doesn't matter how much money you want to spend. You want a $120 rod or whatever. They make it in a low rider. If you want the most sensitive light thing out there, they make it in a $230 car. They make it in all. Amistad extra heavy. You know, I'm sitting here popping that off. They may make it just an expert in low rider. It's got to be in all. It's got to be in all three. Amistad is probably my favorite rod. Amistad extra heavy is definitely my fluorocarbon flipper. Amistad I flip braid with, but it's not my grass rod. My grass rod's an eight footer. Amistad is a seven three, and the extra heavy is a seven four. Man, I'm between the swim jig series rod. So favorite falcon frog rod. Um, Jason likes, I think the head turner, I think is what he uses. It's like a 16 head turner. I think it's his, um, I like a bigger rod than that. I, I, I like the swim yeah, bait rod. Castle Dine and I both were on the swim bait rod. It's, it's dude, it's six foot three or four and it's, it's got some meat to it. Is that seven, three or, or I think it's seven, three. You said six, three. And I was like, that seems really short. Did I say six? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, definitely six, seven, three. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, Dustin wants to know, when are we going to see a signature Falcon Cara? And what would it be if, uh, if it did happen? It would probably be that eight-foot flipping stick for the grass. Um, I don't know if I'll get a signature series, but we're going we're gonna to work on that rod. Um, we've got one right now. It's really good. We do. we got an eight-footer, and uh, it's a good flipping rod. But I, I imagine that's probably the one that, like I said, I don't know that I'm going to get a signature series out of it. I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. Um, the problem with the eight footer, we would have done it sooner. Um, don't sell many of them. It's it's, it's regional, right? It's yeah. only in certain parts of the country, and so it's not a. You can you can spend a lot of time and effort making it, but 
you just don't sell that many of them because it's not an all-around rod. Does that make sense, Rich? What I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, day in and day. I mean, I haven't. I mean, I've used. But, I have eight footers. I've used them, but you know, a falcon. We're very, very tournament angler oriented. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, we realized that we want to hit even the niche stuff really well. So I, I would imagine that that rod is coming. Yeah. And it's, and I mean, in nobody's list of like, here are the five rods you need to go bass fishing. And eight footer is never in that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no. always like, it's yeah, like definitely not uh, an eight situationally an eight footer yeah. for 10 XDs or yeah. for a rigs or yeah. for here's the rod or punching like yeah here's the rod but all of that stuff it. you can do with a seven six or a seven four most of the time there's a few yeah. times when the eight foot is the deal um and just i mean not for tour guys right tour guys nine you know 20 21 foot boats eight footers not a problem but mm -hmm. For guys that are running 17, 18 foot, some of the smaller aluminum, like an eight footer is a lot to deal with on a deck or some of these rod mm -hmm. lockers. It's not a mm -hmm. pleasant situation in some of these older bass boats. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, if you're a big, yeah, if you're a big swim bait guy, then yeah, the eight footer is a day in occurrence. But um, if I could personally design one, have my name on it, that's what it would be. And, I, you know, it's a big stick, but that's, that's what I like, the big stick. So are the new contacts helping you read the comments tonight, Brad? 110%. Dude, you've been paying attention. This is <laughs> like, so a lot of what, you know, I've tried to figure out how I can really improve my off season. And uh, something I've been struggling with the last couple of years is my eyesight going away. And I've had, I don't know, 2010 vision. <laughs> I've had a really damn good vision my whole life. And, uh, I started noticing it slipping and it's kind of gone a little bit by a little bit over the last three years. Dude, it's still not bad. Like what I'm complaining about, the eye doctor doesn't even want to hear about it. I'll tell you how little it is. My right eye uh, in contact form, he told me, he's like, and I had to go to two or three eye doctors before I finally got someone that listened to me. <clears throat> he's like, your right eye, they don't even make a prescription. <laughs> for as little as it's off that you're complaining about. Right. And I'm like, well, Medi's like, your left eye's got astigmatism and we can fix that. Try this. Put it in my eye. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And so then he put up the little screen, you know, and you read. He's like, read this. And so I read off the letters and he's like, okay, that's 2020. Here, read this. So I read it and he's like, really good. That's like 2015. He flips up another one and he's like, nobody ever reads this one. And I was like, well, let me just try for a game. And I couldn't read the whole line, but I, there was like six letters on it. But I got like the last, no, there was like seven letters on it. But I did the last five. I was like, I can't see the first two, but then a ZXWZ. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, nah, that's what I want, bro. So, I mean, I wanted to be able to see. It has a lot to do with, you know, side fishing, bed fishing, um, seeing what's going on in the water, the distance. Like when you've had that kind of eyesight for a long time, it's very frustrating when it starts to fail. Yeah, I was listening to that driving around because I think it was at the tail end of the, the crochet show with on, on BTL, right? Yeah. Like bopped in, right? And I was like, as you're talking, I'm like looking at sound. Because like, I feel like I I can feel like there's certain things, especially when I wake up in the morning, it like takes me a lot longer to like. 100%. I'm saying you know like, what I mean? Now I'm starting to like, can I still see that sign as far as I used to five years? And I'm like questioning like, 
So I can tell you, Rich, it's 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 here that age where it's starting to change, and most people just lose, you know, up close. Like what you're talking about, you wake up in the morning, you grab your phone, and you're like, man, that damn thing's blurry, right? Like worse than it was when you went to bed. It takes a little bit to kind of focus in, and that's your up close vision. And you're right, that's what most of us lose. I remember my dad and everybody. Everybody's older is like, oh, your arms get too short. You know, it's being funny because you can't hold it out far enough to read it. I was actually losing both at the same time. I was losing up close and I was also losing away. Um, and the away is important to me. That's what I feel like is the most important, but then it's very aggravating that you can't see the tie knot real well, like really fine stuff, like trying to put seven pound test line through a drop shot. I would have to go find a pair of cheaters, you know, to put them on, right. but the contacts, golly, I wish I'd have done this sooner. And, and like I said, I had to go to a couple eye doctors to get this right because the first one just wasn't. You know, they just want to make you sound like you're going to go work in an office. And I get that. But, man, I want to be like a surgeon. Like, I want I want eagle vision in both. And uh, I finally found a doctor that was willing to take the time with me to, to get that done. So I can see up close to. He's like, we got people with real problems in here, Bradley. Get out. 100%. No, and I get that. But they don't realize what I'm trying to do for a living either. And you can't explain yeah. that to somebody in the city. Like, fishing? What, you got a bobber and a bottle of whiskey on the side of the right. bank? Like, they don't get it. Absolutely. <sighs> so you did say you like spinnerbaits. What's uh, what, what spinnerbaits do you like to throw? Half ounce, three quarter. I like a little heavier than most guys do. I'm kind of like the old Hank Parker school. Um, I can generally change the depth and the speed at which I fish them by the blades that are on them as opposed to the head. So it's not very often I'm throwing a real light spinnerbait. If I'm throwing a light spinnerbait, you can guarantee it is past August or I'm on a river system. Mm -hmm. um, Red River, Mississippi River, somewhere like that. I do downsize and get to some smaller blades and smaller weight heads, but just general fishing on ponds, lakes. Um, I'm using pretty big, heavy head, and I control the depths with the blades that I put on them. I'm, I'm all of us Oklahoma guys are big into spinnerbaits. We have been yeah. for a long time. We've got a lot of turbid water, you know, a lot of parts per billion of mud. Brandon, we played the video. He doesn't have a favorite. <laughs> um, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously excited about Okeechobee. Yeah. I would like to see lightning strike there twice. My very first FLW tour event, I won there. And then my very first time back at the elite series. I've actually joked. <laughs> you think Scott, if I won, if I won both of them, you think Scott, you think I could talk Scott into, I think it's Roland and Marianne's Marina right now, right? Yeah. Is that the name of it? Is that the actual name? Roland I, and Marianne? I don't know. I'm not sure if the name is switched, but yeah, it's the, the Martin. His Marina. mom's as sweet as she can be. She's the one that yeah. owns him and her and Scott. Anyway, um, I wonder if I could get my name, Bradley or Holland, somewhere yeah. in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't think he'd go for that, but I'd try like hell. Dude, you'd maybe, earn it. Maybe, you would serve it, wouldn't you? If you want a tour, FLW tour, maybe you can pick up a few, uh, you know, guide trips when you're down there in the off season. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Scott, will run me out of the house, but I'll ask him if it happens. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned downsizing on rivers. What what is the the reason for that, Doug? It's not just a. It's not just spinner baits. Um, it's every bait. So, you know, if you go back and you look do three history and stuff it'll show it too in tournament results anytime you're on a river system i don't know why 
they they tend to eat smaller baits, whether that's a crankbait. So like the bandit 200s, stuff like that, bandit 100, the bandit size, body size profile is, is you'll see that be successful on river systems. Um, smaller buzz baits, smaller spinner baits, um, smaller flipping baits. You'll see that be predominant. It doesn't matter if it's a tidal river system or if it's a, a lock and dam river system. They, they tend to be smaller baits and that's pretty consistent around the country from east coast to west. Dustin's a Mississippi River guy. He says smaller yeah. bait and muddy bottoms. Muddy bottoms probably got a lot to do with it. He's right about that. Most of the river systems are very silted. And so those fish don't feed on the bottom the way they do in a reservoir where you've got a lot of rock and hard bottom areas. Um, 100%. I guess I don't want to forget to thank Mobile, Mobile Delta. That's where Doug's from. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Rich, but he put, I live in Mobile Delta. And that, dude, that's a that's a small bait place. Well, he's like uh, TK's neighbor. There you go. But yeah. So we just want to make sure we thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the channel and the stream and for uh, making the show better and all that stuff. So don't want to forget that. Let's see. So many questions. Like we're rocking strong, 170, 180 live for, for a long time now. So that's cool. Glad everybody, you know, hopefully people are getting ready for the holiday weekend. They're just chilling, you know, having a beverage or a yeah, man. Or something and just hanging out and talking bass fishing and getting ready for the, uh, you know, hopefully everybody has a, a non-stressful family event. But we know sometimes during the holidays, things can get a little, a little weird and, you know, schedules and that kind of stuff. So, um this is exactly why, dude. I was excited when you sent me the dates. I was like, I want this one. I want, I want the one right for Christmas because I knew that I'd have my family here. We do Christmas at my house, so I knew everybody mm -hmm. would be here, and this would be a good time to do this. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, you did a whole video on dabbling with yeah. tungsten. Did that cross your mind to want to mix the LBJ? Oh, with yeah. Tungsten? Yeah. I think I can make a damn good one. I've, I've talked to some people a big bite about that. The issue with tungsten and pouring a jig, and this is this is the truth. This is what they've told me. This has been the feedback. It's not like you go in there and make a mold and pour lead around a hook. The tungsten, and, and you'll see this with Kitex and some of the other brands that are out there, getting the tungsten to mold to that steel of that hook is difficult mm -hmm. where it doesn't come loose. You know what I mean? Like they just don't bond well. And, uh, that's that's hard to do, and I don't know that there's anybody in the United States doing it. Uh, most of it's done out of the country. Um, didn't say that we couldn't do it, but I, I do think there's a market for it. If there was a bait that I could push and bring out to the industry that would be new and different, I think a, a tungsten LBJ would definitely be a home run. Big bites yeah, who, I've, who I've discussed that with. There's a couple different. There's uh casted versions so they're not really poured they're casted right typically mm -hmm. it's a yeah like you said there's lead melts at what like three four hundred degrees or whatever right it's it the is. temperature like, at which it takes and to like tungsten yeah. melts at like three or four thousand or something like that yeah. so yeah um and, and and honestly we're getting a little bit of pushback from the industry because they're like well you know tungsten's a precious metal you know i'm like well so is bass fishing <laughs> you know yeah. we give a shit and it it makes a big difference um, I was sold on that this summer and 
I've thrown a jig a lot in my life, and I knew instantly. I was like, this is a game changer. It was as big a game changer as the first time I threw fluorocarbon. First time I threw fluorocarbon, I was like, on a jig. I was like, this is way different. It wasn't because they couldn't see it. It wasn't because I got more. It was the feel. It was the mm -hmm. fact that I could tell that bow wasn't in my line. Like, I had direct contact. That's why it was more sensitive. You know, I could feel everything. It was like, wow, you know, compared to, to mono, monofilament. And uh, and I truly believe that that tungsten jig is the same thing. I truly do. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's checking in from Australia. It's already Christmas Eve there, so cheers. Wow. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I've been fishing uh, tungsten jigs almost exclusively since True Tungsten was around. Like they yeah. were one of the first ones to come out with it, and I was on a staff for them back then, and pretty much have been addicted to tungsten jigs since then. So I'm, uh, it's interesting. It's because also like, like I'm a fan of tungsten, but also like I appreciate lead products as well because like if lead ever gets banned, you think fishing is expensive now? Yeah. Like, right? Like, if lead got banned... Look, like, I'm just talking about as if fishing was no cost at all. So when yeah. I say that, guys have got to understand that I'm just talking about the best equipment that's out there. I'm, I'm not saying that's what everybody should do, right? But I'm just saying that, you know, in a, in, a, in a perfect world where we all, you know, could get whatever the hell we wanted, dude, it's it's night and day difference. Yeah, but I'm saying is 90% of our small business bait makers would be out of business overnight if they banned lead. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't want that. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> as much as I appreciate, like, uh, I, I don't, I don't foresee it taking. I don't think it would be good for tungsten to take over the market either. If I died today from cancer at 48 years old with four children, it'd be really bad with four kids. But I would, would say that it's been worth it for all the fishing I've done with lead through these years. <laughs> bad as that is to say, and for the four loons that ate a, a, a lead yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> So, like I wouldn't uh, give that up for that. No way. Yeah, and there are times that like lead is actually better, right? Like for certain things, like certain football jigs in certain situations, you want the width to like get yeah. over cover yeah. and things like that. Yeah. There are times you want the feel, and there's other times you want the less dense, bl the blunt tool to do a different job. So they both have their place for sure. There was they a don't question slip. about. Go ahead. Oh. Um, I was gonna say somebody asked what your favorite professional football team, and as I say, it was the Sooners. But I don't. Yeah, old Ted Ruff, our defensive coordinator. Do you even? Do you, oh, here it is. What's your your pro football team of choice? And I was like, do you even do you follow it at all, or is it just? Man, I did as a kid. You, you'll find it funny. I was a Steeler fan. I don't know why. Um, I guess because they won a lot back then when I was a kid. Uh -huh. But man, I was after them for a long time. I actually went and watched the Steelers play. I think the last Super Bowl that they played in. Um, it's the only Super Bowl I've ever been to. But they were in Dallas, but uh, got beat by the Packers in that one. But uh, always liked the Steelers. But man, I don't watch hardly any NFL anymore. My my boy does. He watches it all the time. I'm just I'm all college. I watch college every Saturday. I'm made up with it. But I I could care less about the NFL. I'm a little bit of a Vikings fan, but I don't really start watching them until the lakes ice up. So. <clears throat> You've been a Vikings fan your whole life? Yeah, I grew up here, so that's been like my first like really good memory of the or kind of like is the strike shortened season 
where Wade Wilson stepped in and led them to the NFC Championship game, and then they lost to the Doug Williams-led Redskins mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship. And then Doug Williams went out and smoked the Broncos. <laughs> so that was Williams. my first memory is in their first NFC Championship loss of the modern era. Um, so, What was your thoughts the first year you watched Adrian Peterson run the football out of Oklahoma for the Vikings? Yeah, he's, he was uh, <laughs> rather special. Yeah. We've had some good running backs come through here. We've had a lot of really good players come through Minnesota. It just hasn't worked out collectively. I mean, you've had a running back better than AD, huh? You've had a running back better than Adrian Peterson. I don't. I mean, um, I don't know about better, but uh, Delvin Cook is pretty special too. Um, They're not quite the same, but it seems like Delvin Cook's fallen off a little bit lately. So he probably doesn't have the longevity that Peterson has had. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I've got to see Randy Moss in his prime and now Justin yeah. Jefferson. I mean, like, yeah. these are some freaks. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the Packer fans can just stop talking in the chat or you're going to start getting put in timeout. So, <laughs> uh, did you? Th- I don't even know what the cast OG is. Yes, I threw it. <laughs> And believe me, that's what I wanted it for. I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I went and got it. But uh, the problem was, and I still got them. I still got them, and I still think there's a place for it. The problem that happened there was 225 boats in the fall, and the top water was non-existent by the time the tournament started. That's why they all caught them on drop shot. Same fish, dude. Same fish that we were catching. Everybody was catching panger fish in the top 10. It's the same darn fish. It's those same schoolers that normally would catch on top water, but live scope has changed that game so much. Those fish are so pressured that we're down to a drop shot on those suckers. We're used to. You could pull out there and top water on the do But uh, we've got a Lake Murray on the schedule next year, and I don't know exactly where we're going to hit. But if it plays, believe me, I got them. And I appreciate you giving them to me. Uh, this guy gave them to me. I saw them at the Classic. I'd never seen them. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> that looks like a blueback bait. And I've actually got a kid that lives at Hartwell. He gets to fish there all the time. I say kid, 18, 19 years old, uh, Clark. And he, he, dude, he's one of the best damn 19-year-olds in the country probably. But he lives on that lake, and, and, and I've told him about them too. So we're trying to keep him honest and figure out where that window is for him. It's it's a really cool bait. It's a if you don't know what it is, it's a it's kind of like a spook, but it's worked totally different. You drag it. And it was originally designed in saltwater, but it's got a very erratic action that's different than what those fish have seen. It reminds like back like back when you were on the Elite Series, uh, yeah. when the the Seville Magic Swimmer was the deal on those herring lakes. Yeah, I was and there when it first came out, dude. I, I actually finished those fifth on it. Never yeah, I never even seen one. On Dude, I finished fifth in Elite Series, and I owned one that I'd gotten from a from a uh, Kurt Dove gave to me. He had two. He had one, and I had one. I finished fifth on it because they didn't exist. You couldn't get them. Mm-hmm. Now I got a whole box of them that I never – I mean, like, they're up here. Like, but the thing is, you see that, and you're like, oh, I want to throw that. And, like, I mean, can you catch fish? Sure. But, like, it was never going to be the deal where I yeah. live. <laughs> yeah, I knew. No, I haven't, on. Matthew, but send me a link because I'd like to see – that sounds funny. <laughs> it does sound good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think 
they're kind of like, I mean, if if the lead jig is working for you and you like the bulk of it, I don't think there's necessarily a reason to go to a tungsten jig. You go to the tungsten jig to get a different action than not to mimic what you're getting with your bulky lead jig, I think. Yeah, I think that what I like about tungsten is that it's a smaller diameter, so therefore you get a little bit faster fall rate um, with the same weight. You have a smaller profile, which our lakes are nothing but more heavily pressured. Um, and so it gives you a little bit more of a finesse presentation without having to give up the bulk and size and fall rate. It gives you more sensitivity, and that's big. Um, it just feels better on the end of my rod. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but all those things are true. And I've thrown a jig my whole life, and, man, I, I love throwing a jig. I'm a big jig fisherman, and I think that, you know, I, I don't have an LBJ that's tungsten. Dude, I'd like to. That's true and not true. It kind of depends on the cover, I think. And the, I mean, it depends on the tungsten jig, too. Not all tungsten. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different tungsten jigs. But some of the tungsten jigs are designed for super sparse. Like where you first started playing with the tungsten jigs, you were using jigs that were like no Football. weed guard or almost no weed guard. They right. would be terrible in cover. Um, but they might come through rocks, but then sometimes a fatter lead actually comes through certain rocks better than others. So it really, it's situational. But dude, um, they feel so good. I still throw them in cover down here. Like I throw them in there. Like, yeah, I don't know if they hung up. I, I, I'm, I'm still using those football jigs down here. That thing just feels so dang good on the end of a rod. That was Clay Olstein. That's another one of them young guys that can catch them. That dude's hungry. He goes to. Well, Milliken is fishing the Opens this year. Yep. Uh, and I think that's going to be fascinating because, I mean, Milliken's clearly a, yep. a talented angler. And so I think it'll be interesting to see. I know he, I mean, he did, if you watched his YouTube channel, he had a lot of success in team tournaments back in Nebraska. Yep. Um, I don't think he's fished a lot of tournaments in Texas. If he has, he hasn't necessarily been making a ton of videos on them. Uh, outside of some of the big baits or the big bass stuff, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, um, I think it would be good for the sport for somebody like Milliken um, to truly come from across the boundary. I mean, obviously Scott, Mm -hmm. um, he was already in tournament fish, you know, guys like Wheeler, Polinick, Martin built their, their following while tournament fishing versus taking their following into tournament fishing. So I don't know. Taking a true YouTuber into a professional bass fisherman. Right. what you're saying yeah. yeah none of those guys were all those guys are bass fishermen tournament fishermen first and i mean and to some degree milliken has always been a tournament he fished college tournaments fished team i mean it but you know but not at the level right so it, it's a little bit different so it'd be interesting mm-hmm. yeah I, I i'm with you um what what i've watched he looks like on film probably the best odds on favorite to to be able to pull that off yeah, it's, and, hard, it's, and it's just hard to tell from the, you know, from the cut videos and stuff. And then I know that I've seen some of the others and I, I remember seeing some video pretty quick and it was like, you know, you could just tell from watching, you know, mechanics and other things when things aren't being cut out and it's just straight on fishing. It's like, you know, there's some learning curves there still left to be taken. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, obviously, him fishing the opens brings more eyeballs to the opens, which is good for the rest mm-hmm. of the field. Honestly, like um, we talked 100%, about this earlier, 100%. right? Like 
the opens is a tough place to be. Um, you can't really make money in the opens unless you've got a really good deal, you know, with how you're set up. Um, and so hopefully it gets there, right? We, you talked about the bot. We kind of, we got pivoted off the bottleneck of the opens and how few guys get through and how expensive it is. But if they could get more coverage, more sponsors into the opens to make it more viable, right? Almost like, you know, like a lot of like the Bush series or like the, whatever the qualifying for the golf is, right? People can actually like never make the PGA <laughs> or, you know what I mean? And still make it a living. That's just not in bass fishing. So, and, and I'm with you, dude. I think Milliken's probably the best odds on favorite right now. Um, I wish him the best on it. And I think that he's, he's got a good shot at it. Some of the stuff that I saw before was uh, with YouTubers, a lot of it was just boat positioning, you mm -hmm. know, they, they weren't adapt to having co-anglers in a boat. And a lot of it was just boat positioning. And, you know, I'm not talking about, because I have great relationships with all my co-anglers. I'm not talking about, you know, sticking a guy on a bank or put the boat out in the middle of the water where he can't cast. I'm just talking about fishing the water, covering it effectively in a manner at which you can cover it the best possible. And if he catches a seven pounder behind you, then you turn around high five him and take him to the damn way in and, congratulating but just letting your boat aimlessly you know wander about you know all these bites coming out of the back of the boat like you've passed up some fish you shouldn't have passed up you know so it's it's a boat positioning deal and that's that's a you know that's something you learn from years and years of bfls or nation bass nation or a lot of different places that you can learn that it's a very expensive place to learn that on the Bassmaster open does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like we all know, like catching them and catch them in a tournament is a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what 250 boats do to an impoundment. They well, really even, change even, it. Even in just like, I mean, yeah, big tournaments are a whole nother animal, but just tournaments in general, like when mm -hmm. there's a time period and you don't get to pick the day you go, you don't get to pick the lake you want to go fish on. You don't, uh, right. You don't get to go home if it's raining or windy or somebody's on your spot or you didn't get to where you wanted to go or right. Like, yeah, but you know, on the pressure, flip side, dude, right? like I've done when the whistles, the scoreboards running, the time clocks ticking. It's a different game out there. I've played that game. The YouTubers are playing too. And that ain't easy either, dude. Like oh, no. it was, it was tough for us to figure out how to do and to go, go on lakes and film and catch fish and do stuff like it's not easy either. And, uh, you know, I don't know. We try to do it a six hour turnaround and you're thinking, well, nobody's there. It's on a Wednesday and you get there and it's like, can't get a bite. And I've had, I've had days where like, we just spent the entire day for nothing, dude. We don't get a bite at all, all day long. Yeah. I think you, you had, you had a, uh, it was up in the bushes this spring or something. And you're like, I'm going to go flip and I'm making a, yeah, this kind of, happened. I was going to make this kind of video. And you'd like, <laughs> have you heard about that? Have you heard me talk about it? I think you mentioned on DTL. Yeah. Yeah, so we were. It was a Falcon Rod deal for their YouTube channel for Falcon, and uh, their cameraman called me. He's like, "Hey, where you want to go?" And Silkup was like, "You need to go to Keystone, which is a lake here in eastern Oklahoma. And it was real high, just came up, and it, it's got wonderful bushes. I mean, it's incredible to flip. <clears throat> it's in the springtime. It's like right during the spawn, and uh, it had been up for four or five days, and it came up about 10, 12 feet. <clears throat> Dude, it looked like the promised land, Rich. It really did, uh -huh. and I did everything I could do 
And I flipped and I flipped and I flipped. I Dude, I made that guy stay out there, that poor camera guy stay with me for 12 hours. And I know he was sick of seeing it. And uh, he's Jason Christie's. Uh, does all Jason's filming for all his YouTube and stuff. He's a great guy, very talented. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I had caught one fish. Where's my camera at? It was like that long <laughs> out of a bush. And I was like, damn it. And he was like, towards the end, he's like, Holman, if you could just get like a fish or two, like we could make a video out of this. And so I just pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. I, I, I never could make it happen. Those fish never came up with the water. I guess they spawned so hard they were just they were just gonna stay down there on that original water line and I was so stubborn I wasn't about to try to fish ten foot deep with the lake looking like that because it just was so gorgeous. Yep. All right, so we got a couple Instagram questions. Uh, Steerman Fishing said, "Pegboard or slat wall for your tackle organization?" I have pegboard. Um, I know that a lot of the guys have slat walls. Um, I know a lot of the companies probably some of the pros that are running slat walls probably paid for it. Um, man, you talking to a guy that's like, I'm just country boy. Well, I mean, what the hell's wrong with a pegboard? You know, if you want to fancy it up, then paint them before you put it up or something, or paint it after you put it up. But I like pegboards, but here's the problem with traveling. I'll throw this out there. It's what a lot of guys don't realize because I've got a YouTube video out there on my man cave, and it's one of my better videos. My daughter helped me. We did it during COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I noticed was is I finally got this wonderful work environment that we'd moved into a new house. And I had more room than I'd ever had. And so basically before, I'd always been like a working out of a broom closet, like professional angler working out of a broom closet. Now I've got all this room. So I, I, I put everything up on pegboards, all this tackle that I've purchased through years and years of fishing. What ends up happening is, is that's not a very good system for traveling and fishing tournaments because everything's mm-hmm. on an individual peg and you really kind of want it back out more. It was all the years before, whenever I was working out of the broom closet, which is all in Tupperware boxes where you could just grab the box, slide it into the bed of the truck and take it. So I noticed that being an issue. So there's got to be a happy medium between the two because when you put everything up on the pegboard, yes, it's organized. Yes, you can see it. Yes, you can tell where everything is and where it belongs. But it's very difficult to pack a pegboard. A pegboard <laughs> and take down the highway. Um, yeah. That system doesn't work real well. So there, there needs to be, and that's kind of what I'm working on this off season is finding a hybrid between the two. Does that make sense? So kind of beware of the pegboards and the slat boards. I guess I guess if a guy's got the money to do the slats, get after it. But, dude, that pegboard's not going anywhere in your lifetime, I wouldn't think. I mean, it's a pretty big difference in cost, isn't it, Rich, between the two? I, I don't know. I have pegboard. <laughs> yeah. I Mine's kind of like uh, in my – I used to actually do my stream in my garage, but temperature control reasons I brought it to my basement now. Um, <laughs> it's either too hot or too cold or Wi-Fi wasn't good. But anyways – the way my third stall, I pull right in with the boat, and then I've got a pegboard that's like, if I'm sitting in my passenger seat, I can just like, yeah, you know, that's kind of nice. But then again, I still have like a bunch of these like blue, I don't know what they are, six quart totes that that's where all my bulk stuff goes. And when I'm like scrambling to go on the road, like grab that tote of beavers, grab this tote of buzz frogs, yeah. like, right? Like are, those go in yeah, the, the totes truck, are the easy. never that's gets right. touched. Like, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. That that is easy to pack in the truck, and you got it. You roll. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna mention? So 
Bobby says, uh, Hellman's on my fantasy team. It's a big commitment to put him on for all those events right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but sure. uh, speaking of Facebook, one, the Beat Hellabass group is open. So you guys can go join. Password is Visor. Um, so, and then uh, it sounds like you're uh, you're going to bow out of the opens pick them, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Andrew was a little bit like home, and I don't I, I don't want us. You know how much we discuss lakes and what all's going yeah. on. Even though it all goes public, it's not public at the moment. And you know how people are. There'd be somebody be like, well, Holland's getting information from Castledine. And Castledine doesn't even know which damn lake that we're talking about anyway, and he still picks and beats us. I'll never forget the one time we were – he thought the tournament was on St. Clair, and it was on the St. Lawrence River, and he picked through the entire thing, everybody. And the whole time, he's thinking they're on St. Clair. But then after he finally – somebody told him, and we figured out what he was thinking, he didn't change any of his picks, and he still beat us all. So There is that. Um, so we kind of we talked a little bit about YouTube. Obviously, if you guys haven't seen it, Holman Fishing. Uh, yeah. Brad is an intermittent YouTuber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you noticing that. But when he puts it out, it's usually good stuff. So, um, any, uh, any, uh, what are you, what are your plans? Like, are you gonna do tournament videos? What is your strategy? I mean, I know you've thought about it. What's your Obviously, you're focused on the elites and you want to get blue trophies. Mm -hmm. What is your plans to marry the YouTube channel and how are you going to treat that this season or what's your plan at this point? Um, my plan is the same as it's been since we started YouTube. Um, I'm not a YouTuber, but I will admit that I have enjoyed the people that I've met from YouTube and I enjoy the uh, interaction with the community a lot, more so than anything I've ever done in bass fishing. With that being said, I'm still not a guy like Castledine. He can drop a video every two two a week on steady. And Upshaw got in this point where he was he was dropping one a day. Mm -hmm. You know the Randy Blockett deal. For me, I'm just not that driven to do it for one. Um, but I do enjoy it once I make them. Like I said, I enjoy the interaction after the video's done. I enjoy trying to make. And this is the truth, dude. And I, and I don't know that anybody sees this, but I do appreciate the fact that you called me intermediate. In, what'd you call it? No, Inter intermittent. Inter intermittent. Um, I don't know how many people realize that about me, but like I'll, I'll, I'll go on a five, six week hiatus from YouTube sometimes. And then I'll, I'll get on a two a week drop, but um, I don't care about their damn algorithm. Um, but when I try to make content, I want it to be something that I enjoy making I try to make it good stuff. I feel like quality over quantity. I'm not the guy that's walking out, and I'm not going to say any names here, but there are literally, and I know this because I can tell by watching them, they're literally walking out in their garage and they're like, what the hell, I've got to have a video in an hour up. What am I What am I going to make it about? You know, oh, here, grab something. What can I say about this? Okay, I got it. You know, And they come up with a clicky, you know, clicky title and a clicky thumbnail, and they post it, and you know, 30,000 views later, um, and they just record it in one shot on their video. That that's just never been me. Like, I, I you know, I get something in my mind. I really want to make some good content. Um, you know, that's really the direction that I want to go. I've actually had some manufacturers. Um, one of them being a trailer company that makes the trailers for Phoenix boats, call me and 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 I need to make a video for him. And 
it wasn't a sponsorship deal, but I was like, dude, I, I would love to do it. Let me let me just make a pilot. And I know that he's probably sitting wondering what the hell's happened to Hallman. But I honestly just got home with my family after fishing the opens all year. And I just don't I, I want to get around all that. And I want it to be right. And to me, it's almost like an artistic form. And I know it sounds boring, but that's really where I feel like I've got to be in the mood to do it. And I don't think my stuff's like Brian Latimer's because I think Latimer's stuff's very artistic and very well done. But those guys enjoy it more than I do. Um, but I want my stuff to be good. I, 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 I like Latimer's stuff a lot. I like B-Lat stuff a lot. I always have. And I like B-Lat a lot, too. But I like I like his artistic touch. I think he's very talented. I don't think I'm very talented. Um, but I do think I know what I'm talking about with fishing, especially the topics that I touch on on my YouTube. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I kind of feel it. Like, I've... Uh... Like last winter, I was really good. I had my content calendar and I was kicking out like two a week and doing a stream. And I had like this all planned out. And then I got into the um, fishing season and I kind of, it's kind of like I have different seasons, right? Then I get into like tournament mode and then I'm like kicking out tournament videos and less garage tip, you know, type studio mm-hmm. type videos. Yeah. And then coming off this fishing season, I have just have a hard time getting motivated to do the studio videos again, like the non fishing videos. Um, we're getting there, but, uh, I, dude, I've always been jealous of, of what you guys do like this format. Um, Panger does it uh, with BTL. It's to me, it's very easy to come in and do this and you hit the record button and you've got content. And I think that's great for me it's not that easy. You know, I've got to go out and record stuff, edit, cut it all up, put it in pieces. It takes a lot more time to come up with something that I'm, I'm usually releasing. It's not something where I'm just turning on a cell phone and talking for 10 minutes and turning off. Um, not saying I haven't made some like that on some subjects that I felt like I could do that on, but usually that's spur of the moment. If I've done that, I do think you'll see some more of that next year. Hey, back to your question you asked me originally. So what's my game plan for, for next year? And this is a, this is this is pretty cool. So I've got um, Travis Lyons, hmm. um, who's a very you know Travis, yep. Travis and Tanner, the twins. Yep. Um, I think Travis is going to roll with me next year uh, in Sukup too, and uh, I think we're going to have him. So I am taking a little bit out of Scott's Martin's uh, learning lessons of school hard knocks. Um, I've seen what he does and how he does it. Now, Scott has a different personality and a different type of YouTube channel that I have, but um, really looking forward to Travis being with us next year. Um, he's going to be with us in the house all the time. Um, so I will be creating content quite regularly throughout the year. I don't know exactly how it's going to roll out. I've got my right. ideas of how I want my YouTube to look. It'll be different. It'll be very much me. It won't be. You know, I'm not doing that high production, even though Travis is very capable of doing all that high end production, you know, that Polynex stuff. But I've told him, you know, that's that's not what I'm interested in. I want it to be me. I want it to be very earthy, very organic. Um, there will be a lot of me just grabbing a phone. Todd actually Castledine did a, a video. I was on vacation. Well, I was I was down at my 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 team partner's daughter's wedding. Uh, she went got married in Jamaica. Anyway, I'm on the beach of Jamaica when the Costa Costa. This is how old I'm getting. Toyota championship was going on and Castledine's leading the first day. So I'm pretty into what's going on there. And I'm laying out on the beach the next morning. It's like 
nine o'clock in the morning, me and the wife are laying out on the beach, you know, and this guy's bringing me a little drink with an umbrella in it. And I grabbed my phone and I started flipping through it. And I'm like, holy crap, Castledine just dropped the video. Huh. <laughs> like, and it's about the tournament and he's leading it. It's day one and they didn't have any video coverage. And I was like, this is incredible. And so I open it and it's just Todd talking behind his VRBO house, you know, in the backyard by itself, just talking for 10 or 15 minutes about his day, about his practice, about how he felt, about how it was going. And I was like, this is legit. Like, I mean, and I know him really, really well. And yep. I, I mean, I know what he's saying is the truth. And he wasn't giving up his pattern on the first day or anything like that, but he definitely explained a whole lot of things about what was going on that you couldn't get anywhere else. And I was very impressed with Todd for figuring that out and to be able to put that on schedule. Cause I mean, Todd did all that himself while he's leading the event. He went out and recorded it himself. He edited it himself and he set it up for a drop in the morning while he was going to be out on the water. I, I thought all that was great. So I think that you'll see some of that from my chronicles while I'm out there on the water uh, next year. I'll try to do a really fast turnaround stuff that won't take Travis very long to edit. Um, and then, you know, maybe see some more polished social media type stuff where, right. you know, he's making 30 to 60 second videos for social media for me. Um, same thing with John and probably a little more polished product. that will look, I'm not going to say it's going to be like Polynex cause that's not where I want to go, but something more along that style that is a finished product after we get home a few weeks later to give Travis time to work on it. And, uh, but at that point, you know, I mean, we live in the day and age where everybody wants the information right now. And I, th I think Polynex stuff is incredible and it's, it's done really well for him, but I'm, you know, I'm a different person and I want to do it a different way. My fan base is different than Polynex probably. I don't, I don't know. I haven't studied his fan base. I know my fan base is a lot different than Scott Martin's. My sure. fan base is a lot of guys that watch your stuff, watch BTL, watch Todd's stuff, my stuff. They're, I've got a very hardcore tournament angler fan base. So, like, my guys fish a lot of tournaments, and their age bracket is older than a lot of Scots and stuff. My guys, they're tournament fishermen, hardcore. Mm -hmm. and, and I appreciate that fact. I do. So I know that, like, we're never going to hit 100,000 subscribers or anything like that because there's not that many of us. But the fact that those guys have got enough respect for me and I've got enough respect for them that they're listening to me keeps me from throwing out a bunch of crap. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I. it's it's a difficult balance. And, like, you want to be true to yourself, and but at the same time you also want to, to win at the game, right? Just like at tournament fishing, you want to win, right? So it's like you still you're trying to find that balance of like i want to be clickable and i want to be entertaining but i want to be true to myself and deliver right without being you know just throwing out stuff from the right. garage driving right. down the road just making stuff right. up and stuff that yeah. literally contradicts itself from day to day and just to yeah. be clicky right you know that kind right. of stuff is just dude it's, it's the bad part of our this industry on this side of it is like the clickbait and the controversy is what catches fire right cheaters but dude, I just I just don't want to go roll in the mud. It's not why I'm here. I mean, I, I'm yeah. here, honest to God. I could go do a lot of other things in life just like you could. I could do a lot more things and make a lot more money. And I I, I dealt, dealt with that in my late 30s and early 40s. The bottom line, at the end of the day, I don't want to be 70 years old wondering what I could have done in the sport of bass fishing. These are the people that I want to be involved with, things that I want to do. 
I want to be sitting here two nights before Christmas, having a two hour long plus conversation with you about bass fishing. That's how I want to spend my damn life, man. And that, that that's the honest to God truth. And that's how I feel about it. I love it that much. Right. And that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I said it before, like it's, I don't do these. I mean, I kind of do these lives for me cause I enjoy them, but I do it because of all, where's the chat? Is the chat over there? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's awesome. Like just the, the, you know, we get to answer a bunch of questions, but then there's all this whole side conversation where they're having their chats and getting together. It's just the community. And like, that's like, Dr. You said, like, I could probably grow my channel more if I didn't live stream. Yeah. Honestly, right. If I did yeah. shorter videos more consistently, like that yeah. stuff would probably be yeah. better for the the algorithm, the audience, like growing. Right. If I'm right. just looking for like subscribers and view count. Yeah. But as far as like growing a community and and doing what I love and hanging out and communicating, this is much more rewarding. I agree. It is for me too. That's a good question. It's kind of on topic here. Do you do any like in-person seminars? Mm, every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk to a group of high school kids or college kids, mm -hmm. um, a college team or something like that. Um, I know that I'm going down to Lucky Lure, uh, which is a local tackle store here in Oklahoma City, the big one that's here in the city. Uh, I know that I'm supposed to be there in January. Don't know the date, but I'm sure there'll be some seminars there. Um, if not, we'll come up with something while we're there, group of people, but um, just stuff like that. I don't, I don't have anything planned or set out. I don't do any guiding or anything like that. Um, I've never guided a day in my life, Rich. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I've done very I, few, like five or less. I mean, I've probably done some trips that could be quote, quote, considered guiding, yeah. but I don't consider them that, you know? Yeah, they were just I mean, I guess the, buddy one, going fishing. the ones I've done have been more like, hey, somebody, like I've donated my time for right. a giveaway or something. Too. Like I'm taking I've somebody out. Too. There was a guide trips, but like, yep. Yeah, not where somebody's like booking me and giving me four hundred dollars right. to, right? Or I've joined in on a couple where like, hey, we've got this corporate group thing and we need a boat to, you know, like I did one for a Vikings fundraiser where I had a defensive lineman and I can't remember there was a defensive coordinator at the time. Can't remember his name. Ted Roof. No, that's Oklahoma's defensive coordinator. Yeah, this was a while ago. Um, yeah. Latell says, keep it going. I'm cleaning reels tonight and this helps. <laughs> I've been through that. Uh, nice. Don says, Bass U needs a LBJ seminar. I agree. Man, I love working with those guys at Bass U. I, I love Brian the Carpenter. He's one of my favorite people. He's great. How does having a sip of my cup make the uh, webcam get all weird all right. i had a webcam right like that too that would just like lose its focus new so you need to write down for christmas from santa claus new webcam yeah. ordering from amazon soon it's it's a good one though it's like a logitech i don't know why it's it's decided like that it's, it no longer it's wants not to like work. it's the uh like some no-name amazon dude the one on my laptop built in is terrible it is trash and it's aggravating. I, I I know where you're coming from. I guess we've been we've been talking in code, and people that aren't in the know may or may not know what an LBJ is, Brad. 
That is a little brown jig. I've made probably more money on a little brown jig than probably everything else put together through my life, without a doubt. There's many variations and many companies that make them. And I have my own little one that we make here, but like they all work, doesn't matter. Yeah, I think you've got some videos on the LBJ too, right? On your oh, channel. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So yeah. go search LBJ on Hellman channel, and you can you can probably watch LBJ videos for an hour. Uh, Dude, you want to hear my new idea that I've got? Panger actually yeah. helped me with this. So a buddy of mine helped me with a logo, and he's like, "You need to, you know, make sell." I'm like, well, "Dude, ain't nobody buying a hat that says Hellman hat." <laughs> Panger and I went down this road because he's so funny. Panger's like, "You ought to get some custom made Tony Llama boots." <laughs> <laughs> and put LBJ on there on the bootstrap where you pull it up, have it engraved. And I'm like, dude, that's a great idea. You know, because, you know, we're here in Oklahoma and Texas. and We got some old guys, some Tony Llama custom alligators, you know. I mean, we're talking about some $1,000 boots here, you know. Hmm. But uh, where I was going with it was is I would like to make a hat, you know, just a Richardson, just LBJ, you know, just real big with like a little Hallman fishing logo here on the back or something. I'm thinking about doing that. I really am. All right. So in the chat, if you would be interested in a Hallman LBJ yep, hat, yeah, just let me know. Just go ahead and say me or thumbs up, hands up emoji in the chat, um, yeah. and we'll see see what the, what we'll do a quick in in quick uh, poll here. So that's this. I don't know if Mitchell's still watching, but he asked us quite a while ago, and I actually qualified for this tournament, but I doubt that I'm going to fish it just because it's in May, and when May's up here is really good fishing, and I just can't see myself driving down to Grand at that time of year. All right. Does he need a spinnerbait in May on Grand and just in general? What, what what should Mitchell be looking for? All right, May. You got a pen and paper, Mitchell? <laughs> the lake level is 744 or higher. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Buzzbait, spinnerbait, and flipping stick, 744 and higher. 744 and lower. Spinnerbait, buzzbait, square bill. There you go. Solid advice. All right. So let's see here. Look at this. Me, 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 me. I'll take one. Really? That's not take that one. That many hats. Brian wants one. Depends Dude, on I the think hat. it'd be so slick. Just LBJ. It says like 20 big. people here said they would be in for a LBJ hat. That's what I was hoping. I think I'm going to do that. And then I saw a hat today. This 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 guy was wearing a country boy, and uh, man, let me take this off. I won't be able to hear you, but I'm going to show you. Like the logo was was like, you know, like. So here's the. I'm having a problem. With my camera. Well, you know, my fingers in the camera, but I, I'm still having a problem. I would like to put it, you know, just like a logo, like right here, like really weird place, and uh, man, it looked good on that guy's hat, you know. You know, it'd be like putting Garmin right there instead of being anywhere else on a hat where you would normally see it. But uh, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. I don't know. I don't know if I have room back there. No, not on the visor. You got that Bob Stoops, Steve Spurrier look. Mine's a little rough. You always do wear a visor, don't you, bro? Yeah. It doesn't look right when I wear a. So. That's your image. Golly, I wish I had that in my chair still. Like in the bass hat. You don't think that looks right? It doesn't fit my head. It like sits on it, honey. Like it's like you got you got one of them big noggins. I got like 
tall and like my hat is like topped out right there. Like it's touching the top. That's of my what hat. you need the Richardson for, dude. I have the Richardsons do fit a little better, but it still feels weird. I'm with you. Here's one of the few that I haven't cut the top off. That's a Richardson 112. Yeah, that's a good looking hat. It's still touching the top. It fits a little better than most. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Panger's already left us. He's not even. You can't anymore. throw it over your arm when you're driving down the lake. No, that's a good point. I just wrap mine around my gear shift every time. And your you know, sunglasses sit hat right in there, nested in there. You put your glasses in there and they don't fly out? Yeah, you tuck them right in there, like in there. They're just locked. <laughs> They'd be behind my cowling so quick. Well, no. Well, when I'm driving down the lake, they're on my eyeballs. But okay, like, okay, okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, like, what no. else would you have them off for that you're tucking them in your hat? Like when you go in Oh, just like maybe walking, in, walking into a tackle shop. Okay, um, I'm with you. You know, whatever. Like, I'm with you. What's the Bernie Schultz thing about? Uh, he wears a visor. Oh yeah, Bernie does. But his, are, uh, you know, most of those guys they wear those fancy like, uh, you know, pre-made visors. Bernie looks like a damn model. He's my damn <laughs> hero. Yeah. Andrew wants one, but he wants the Richardson. I love the Richardsons. The guy that's been informing me, he's like, he's got some different advice, but he's like, that Richardson, man, young people don't like it. And I'm like, dude, everybody that I know will be wearing the Richardson. Yeah. Are you still in the up for the bus if Gabe puts it together? <laughs> yeah. I'd Classic. Love that, dude. I would, that's a great idea I gave them. Like, you should get the bus together and have a show. Just go all the way out there. I, I've Get, never been to a classic, but I'm kind of seriously considering thinking about going this year. Dude, Knoxville's a great place. You've never been yeah. to a classic. Mm -mm. I've always Golly. thought I would get out of my own way and actually catch them well enough in the nation to go there that way. That was kind of my plan. But. Papa, you should go there and get like a booth. You should have a little booth. I don't know if you're selling a booth. You could sell some of those hats, some of those <laughs> visors. Yeah, I need to. I, I agree. I also need to. Uh, get going on the merch game so i don't know about the merch game but like i said nobody wants a damn hat it says hallman on it but i thought some lbj stuff or some bfe stuff would be pretty cool maybe a visor that says suck less suck less yeah he could do that one i got some i have some shirt ideas bobbing around in my head that i want to work on so all right uh so uh what was the verdict on the uh the extended pull camera off the bow. Um, the verdict was I liked it a lot. Um, the audio from that was horrendous because every time you stepped on the trolling motor, so you would have to have either a separate audio, like you plug something in up there or where you're chesty for audio or 90% of the fishing that I do. Well, maybe not 90, let's say 80. Let's be realistic here. 80% of the fishing I do, doesn't affect me whatsoever. I could tournament fish with it. What I liked about it was, was so for the guys that you don't know that are watching this asking what that was, I actually custom built a camera mount that went to my trolling motor, but it was actually like 10 feet out in front of the boat. So it was a, it wasn't a view that was just straight up looking back at you. It was out in front of you and it, it got the whole like front. Um, the verdict from my YouTube viewers was, we can't see what you're fishing. They didn't like that part. And I'm like, well, there's some of those places I kind of like that because I don't have to show you exactly what I'm casting at. Um, I loved the angle because it was a different angle than anything you've seen in fishing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was easy to tournament fish with the way I built it so that it was bulletproof. Like I didn't have to mess with it. Once it was done, it would run 10 hours in a tournament and you didn't have to mess with it. You didn't have to mess with the adjustments on the trolling motor or nothing. You pick up the trolling motor and it would come and fly down and laid right down beside the boat. I like the idea a lot. Um, I have some really good friends that are tied into, uh, I've gone blank here. Who makes all the camera mounts, the originals? Uh, what company is that? The You're talking yellow, about the yellow, yellow stick. And yellow, yellow. Yellow, yeah. um, I just sent them an email. They don't even know who I am, but I sent them an email and then nobody got back to me. And then like months later, some girl texted me. It's like, anybody ever get back to you? And I'm like, no. She got back to me and she gave me the number of the owner and uh, I just sent him a deal. And I said, look, dude, I'm not looking for any money. I'm not looking for anything, but you need to watch this YouTube video of mine and you need to watch this YouTube video of mine and you'll get the gist of what I'm saying. And I'll give it to you. I don't care. You don't have to make it like mine, but this is the idea to get that angle. Right. And I, you know, he's not a tournament fisherman. I'm speculating. He's not a tournament fisherman. I don't, I don't know the man, um, but he definitely messaged back and was like, I've gotten like a thousand ideas through the years. And there's only been one or two I've been interested in. Yours is one of them, but then I never heard anything else, which is fine. I just know that I'm not going to do anything with it. It's just sitting around and it's a good idea. And uh, it would be right up their alley to make one that somebody needs to make a mount that's universal. that will go to Garmin, Minkota or motor guide trolling motor. But once you get that universal mount made, you can mass produce that pretty easy, pretty easy. Yeah, it definitely, it can't be your only camera, but it can bring a really unique Mm -hmm. extra angle to the footage. Yeah. And like, honestly, if you've got somebody like Travis, right, like he could do some really cool stuff with that. But you do need to either record your audio or at least wear a chesty to gather that audio. Uh, The audio on it was terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had mine on an aluminum pole. I made mine out of square aluminum to keep it light and still be extremely strong. And, uh, and it did all that, but it carries the sound up to the camera. So, like, any little bump or anything. Yeah, you might like, as well just turn that off. Like, <laughs> it might as well just turn the audio off. Right, right. Uh, and then if you're trying to, like, get in and out of docks, that probably wouldn't be so great. Yeah, that's that's the 20% <laughs> yeah. where, like, I'm not fishing with. In a tournament situation. Like, yeah. you know. And that, that, that's what I was trying to build it for, dude. Probably you know, not to go. <laughs> I, I tried to build it for tournament situation for me yeah. and for tournament anglers. I didn't want something that was going to fall apart. And have you started playing around with the 360 camera? I I actually have one. Um, I'm all yeah. about it. That's all I will use. I don't know if you noticed the last few videos that I put out on the opens, but that's what that is. People are like, you got a camera guy on a boat following you around? I'm like, no, it's 360 cam. I saw Edwin's. Edwin did something in one of the BPTs on his YouTube channel. And I watched him go from the front deck to the back deck. This has been about seven or eight months ago. So Edwin had it first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was cool as shit. And so I called Edwin. I was like, hey, what is that camera you got? Well, he knew what the camera was. And I was like, so editing, what? like he didn't know anything. Yeah, because <laughs> so he doesn't I was touch. Like, he's yeah, made- he's got somebody running all his stuff. Somebody just put a camera in his boat and pulls it out and pulls his chip and takes care of all his stuff for him, which I get. He's Edwin. Um, I needed a little bit more information and I was going to order one because they're not cheap. And it happened to be during somebody actually mentioned it here at Kurt does bass camp. And I was, uh, one of the coaches, I guess is what you'd call it at the bass camp, mm-hmm. uh, this summer up at Lake Oneida, it was right after our open. 
And uh, I'm going to go blank here again. I hate when I do this. It's like the older I get. Uh, oh, my God. So uh, one of the MLF anglers, young guy, Falc, uh, favorite rods guy, help me here, Rich. Becker? Yes, Matt Becker. It's parked right next to me. Sorry, Matt. I, I just I go blank like that sometimes. I forget my own mom's name like that, so it's not just you, Bubba. Uh, Matt was parked right next to me at the hotel, and in the morning I went out, and I was talking to him about this camera I'd just seen. I was doing all this research, and he's like, that's the same camera I'm running, Bub. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, I've had mine for six months. So I start drilling him, you know. And Becker, Becker knew everything about it, and he helped me down on the road. And next thing I knew, I had one ordered. Within two days, I had one. And Bassmaster has, and I haven't talked to them about this yet, Lisa, but uh, you have to have a camera on all the time during the Elite Series events, just like what the FLW Tour used to be. And it's got to cover, you know, the whole boat. So what they're doing is it's like Matt Heron, you know, him and his son are making – I say his son. I don't know that the son's involved. I don't know exactly who's making them. I know Heron's pushing yeah. them. The, the so know, do you know who makes them? Uh, I just Andrew don't want him to speak here is all I'm getting at. His son, his, Andrew says his son has Tato. Okay. I that's, yeah. And that's the name of the poll? Anyways, I'm pretty good buddies with Heron. And Heron's like, yeah, I got the poll and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But, dude, I'm all about that 360 because I don't need that poll for that. You know, I, I like it at the console because I don't want – I'm really interested in how good my video quality is. And I don't like mm -hmm. that all the way in the back. It's too damn far for for those – action cameras that we're running no matter what brand because they all shoot wide angles and they're for act you know i want that thing at the console anyway i don't know that anybody's even tried to use the 360 yet in the elite series but it works i mean like you can see 360 degrees all the way around all the time so i think she'll be all right with it but you know something ever comes into question like it's not just throw the chip in in the computer and read it like they're gonna know how to know how to use 360 degree software yeah, I'm sure Rodney can figure it out. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So which 360 camera are you running? I run the GoPro. Okay. There are probably some out there better, but that's what went blank again. Matt Becker. Becker was using, and and I've already very familiar with GoPro because that's what I use all the time anyway, so that's what I purchased. Yeah. and But it, you basically have to do a step in between dumping it into your regular. Yeah, so to edit in the editing software, you have to use GoPro's 360 software. And you basically go in, so let's say you got a 10-minute video. And the first five minutes, you want the front deck. And then at five minutes and one second, you want to flip to the back. Like as you walk across, you have to go in there and drop little dots. You know, dot here and then a dot here on the timeline of where you want that to be to change. And then once you've done that, then you just stick that and it it renders it out. And it's basically, you know, you're... you're Regular so you basically format have to export video. that, and then you can drop that into your other editing software and Correct. carry it up. Now yep. you're going to do. Yeah, so it kind of adds an extra step, but then kind of not because if you're used to having to go through and you know when you edit, you've got to kind of go through the process of you don't want this or I don't want that. It kind of lets yeah. you go through that initial set anyway. Yeah. But I mean, everything's there, dude. Three hundred and sixty degrees. Like when that guy kind of attacked me out there on the. <laughs> whatever river that was up in Maryland, uh, his, that woman had screamed at me and her son came out there with a the boat. Dude, it was perfect. Cause like, he just spin the camera and there that son of a gun is coming in on my starboard side, you know, get out of here. There's no fishing. <laughs> You're like, whatever, <laughs> Bubba. Nice. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, Alex Epperson does a bunch of that stuff too. I've seen it on his channel. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma's worst fisherman. Um, Alex is using 360 now. He's been for a while. He's I don't know if okay. he's using it. He's definitely that, been. I, I'm sure, like anything, it's like you know, use it some, use it some, depending on situation. But yeah, underwater cameras. We use underwater cameras anytime we're shooting like really high end uh, YouTube video like it's got to be we're out there for youtube only um i know that whenever i'm working with christy's guy uh, with falcon rods he uses some under camera stuff and he puts that in his content but like my stuff i think I, he's asking more about the aqua view i've never yeah. used one yeah that's a that's a northern deal yeah i say that the guys may be down in florida at okeechobee sticking them in mats and i'm just oblivious because i'm not sure what the rule is I think you can use aqua views during official practice in the elite series, I believe, because I'm pretty sure guys like Gusty and those guys have used the aqua views during practice, but you absolutely cannot have an aqua view in your boat for the tournament. If you can use it in practice, why can't you use it in the tournament? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's the rule, though. I could be wrong. I'm not, not hardly like, anything. I don't have to read the elite rules. <laughs> There's nothing that I can think of offhand that is legal in the tournament that's not legal. Or that is not, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Can't have anybody in the boat. I mean, there's just nothing I can think of that's one and not the other. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I feel like I've talked about, I feel like I've heard them talk about using it during practice. I think that's something they probably keep pretty quiet. Yeah. I mean, Gussie talks about it because he works with Aquaview. Uh, but I think there's a lot of guys that have Aquaviews, guys like Seth and some of those guys. They don't talk about it, but they've got one. Um, My Aquaviews, these two contacts I just got put in, baby. Yeah. No, they use it more for like, I know, right? You're I know, on those, I know, uh, I know. those 18 yeah. foot, 20 foot reefs, on, right. right? And they're like, right. uh, absolutely. I want to be darn sure whether that's a drum or a walleye or a smallmouth, right? Yeah. They can probably tell the size of them and everything else. Dustin, did you ever find your missing camera? No, the son of a gun was gone. I don't know what happened, dude. My wife and a lot of my fans are like, somebody stole it. My wife's the same way. Nah, I didn't stole it. I probably left it laying on the bumper of my truck and drove off from Louisiana. It's probably laying out there on I-30. <laughs> Joe LaBarbera says they definitely use it in practice. My son, he wouldn't get on camera. I was like, come here. He's like, no. Nope, I'm out. Nice. What else did we miss? Joe LaBarbera. Where did you see Joe? He, he, uh, he's been in here all night, but uh, he said they definitely use it in practice. There's old Joe. Jeremy says, if a guy just wanted to video his fishing, what GoPro would you all go with? Um... Depends on what, like, if you want a chesty, like, if you want to do the chesty camera, and that's going to be like, you're going to like, like, if you're a bank fisherman or you really like that POV, then I think like one of the best GoPros out there is actually the old four. It's light, it has really good audio. Um, that's a decent one. Otherwise, I think anything between like a seven and an 11, whatever you can get a good deal on, those are all pretty good. Um, 
the thing is with those seven, eight, nine, ten, elevens, they've gotten a little heavier. They're a little not as friendly to wear on your chest. Um, but if you're going to mount them on a council or somewhere in your boat, they all work pretty good, and they're they're really nice. I mean, they you get incrementally better after seven, but it's not that a huge thing. Actually, I may have one right here. Since we were talking about that, I'll show y'all something. I do have part of it right here. <laughs> Just a second, I'll get them on out of my. I know I've got one. I'll show y'all something cool. This is a this is something I found, and I don't think everybody uses it. I definitely think some of them have seen it. But hang on a second, my bag's right here. Yep. Let's see what else is going on here. Somebody has a question about uh, Chris. I don't know if you're still on. Um, there is like mm, a couple spots you can hit open in the Minnesota, some of the rivers and stuff. I didn't do it. I don't know if I did it once last year or not. I'll probably do it. Like I used it like once or twice this winter just to scratch the itch, and then I typically that's about it. But there's a few few places you can do it. Uh... Blotel fishing. Um, I like a Dobbin 70RC, 704CB drink bait fishing. Um, all right. All right. Um, have you seen this? I think I'm the one that told you about that. I think you were too. <laughs> Actually, now that you say that, two years ago when I was on this show, yeah. you told me about it. I hated chesties. I still hate chesties. Won't wear a chestie. And you're right, Rich. You are the one that told me about this. This is the greatest darn thing ever invented. So, like, if a guy just wants to get his own fishing, the dash camera's great. The audio to a dash camera is not. You literally have to walk over there to it, and you have to talk to it if you want your audio to be worth the darn. Audio on a chesty is phenomenal. You don't even have to think about it. It, it just does it. So, anyway, if you guys hadn't seen this, this is basically just a lanyard. It goes around your neck. You typically wear it under your shirt, but yeah, for demonstration purposes. Yeah. It works better when you have like a, like when you're wearing a thicker hoodie, it's really nice. Like when you're wearing a sun shirt, it's a little, yeah. But so you just tuck it in. And like what I love about it is it's like jersey, you go from hoodie as the day warms up. It's just yeah. real easy. So that plate goes underneath. And I don't have a camera mounted on this right now, but your camera mounts to this. And this is a magnet, all it is. Mm -hmm. And then you just basically get this out of the way. There we go. It just it just mounts, and there's your camera, and you can flip it up or down or whatever you want. You want to take the hoodie off? You just pull this off. It's called a it's called a snap mount. If people want to know what it yeah. is, yeah. Um, I love this thing. I've actually it's, thought about giving getting extra plates. And mounting those in places in the boat. Yeah, I talked to Afco. Like, I was like, "Dude, we can make a, we can make a." I told Afco, "So we can make a shirt." Yeah, you know, for filming, and just sew some of this stuff in there. I'm surprised more guys don't use them. A lot of the guys, like Wheeler and Martin, they just cut holes in their jerseys and yeah. wear the chesty under their jerseys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's Scott's deal. But I thought about like maybe even getting like fixing one of those and putting it like down by my graph. So that if I like, okay, I just want to change things out, I just take it off my chest and literally just stick it down by my one of my units, or maybe even turn it if I want to record some of my like screens 
or yeah. like I could just like you could easily just like have a couple of the magnet mounts mounted on your boat and just like I mean they're rock solid that it they I mean yeah. ain't going anywhere yeah um, and so I might play around with getting more mounts or more uh, plates for it. That's an interesting question. Any place in this country or outside that you want to fish? You haven't fished, Brad? That I want to fish, but I haven't fished. There's probably some stuff in Mexico, you know, that I would that I would like to fish that I haven't fished. I've been to El Salto. I actually had a title sponsor on the Elite Series for a couple of years with Anglers Inn and uh-huh. uh, Billy Chapman Jr., which is the premier place to stay in Mexico. And uh, I'm not saying that because I was sponsored by them. Like, it's legit. Like, take my family down there. Yeah. Very safe. Very good people. Wife gets back rubs and goes to the sauna and massage parlor while I'm out fishing. Or she goes fishing with me. They just, they got it going on. Good food, good drinks. It's well worth it. Um, That was El Salto. And there's people. There's probably more people that I would like to fish with than places at this point in my life. Um, here's one for you. So we're going down to, uh, my wife and I after Christmas. So like on the 28th, a couple days after Christmas, we're just going down for a few days. We're not going down for much, but we are going to go down to Florida for the Oklahoma, uh, sooner bowl game. Yeah. Which they're going to get killed in because we're so bad right now, but somebody's got to go down there and support the Sooners and I'm one to do it. So I'll go do it. But after that, Orlando, I was like, man, this guy and I have been talking about me coming down there. Uh, we're going to spend New Year's together. Charlie Hartley. Nice. Never been in a boat with Charlie and really excited to go do that and spend New Year's Eve with him and his wife. And I imagine that we have got to do a YouTube live with me and Charlie on my channel for New Year's Eve. There um, you go. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe a little bit of live or out on the water and then maybe a little live that night while we're enjoying ourselves anyway um there's probably more people than there are places at this point charlie's definitely one of them one of charlie is one of the most respected you remember when charlie led the classic Mm -hmm. and hartwell yep it's probably the most i've ever seen a group of professional anglers who are all independent contractors right everybody's in for their self because that's what they are they're competing against everybody else when charlie took the lead like Everybody was like, okay, we're all Charlie fans this week. Cause like if he wins, we're all gonna be excited. He's probably one of the most well-liked guys ever uh, in the history of sport of pro bass fishing. Charlie is extremely well respected and everyone likes him a lot. And I'm really excited to spend New Year's with him. But hey, that's 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 really where I'm at, probably. More people. I'd like to be in the boat with Denny Brower, and I could probably get that pulled off too. I'd like to fish with Denny. How about you? Who would you like to fish with? Ooh, there's a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I think spending a day uh, with Holman would be pretty fun. Yeah, we can um, probably get that pulled yeah, off I mean, too. I mean, there's, I mean, a ton of guys that yeah. would be fun to fish with. Like you probably fish with some more just by chance over the years in media events and some of that stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, honestly, I fish with a lot of guys locally. I mean, I fish with like Josh Douglas and I fish with Derek Remitz and you know guys like that from Minnesota. And I mean, I fished against Seth and um some of those guys but there's a lot yeah. of guys i haven't fished with i mean the 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 list of people that we find to fish with is almost endless to be honest like yeah yeah mine too like i've got a lot of people that i like to crawl in a boat with um 
you know, you said I fish with a lot, dude. We're we're out there on the road, and even though a lot of us are really good friends, even roommates, um, we don't get that opportunity. Dude, look at Castle Down and I. We actually made a joke about it. I, I got in the boat with him before Rayburn, um, kind of a pre-practice deal. And I went down there specifically to get in the boat with him because I needed to, because to make the Elite Series and what he is on Rayburn. But uh we were we were talking, I was at his house, and we were like, dude, of all the years, I mean, we're we're creeping up on 20 years that he and I have been friends, good friends. And we've been in the boat together like once, and it was for a video deal. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just doesn't happen, even though we're roommates and we run together. And like we're just not in the boat together. So, you know, it just doesn't happen very much. And when I'm in a boat with somebody like that, like I remember the first time Jason Christie and I got in the boat together, and we were in a creek. It was in the wintertime, and uh, he, he was on the trolling motor and he maybe I caught a fish or he caught a fish. I don't even remember who caught the first one, but it wasn't anything big. It was like a, it was like a 12 incher. And like, we'd already gone through the Creek. And I mean, this is a Creek, like Creek proper, you know, like you can throw to either bank easily. And it was kind of a bend in the Creek and either I caught one or he caught one. Like I said, it wasn't a big fish. It was like a 12 incher. Anyway, he was like, dude, there's a school of them right there. And I was like, what? He's like, we're fixing to jack them. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, we just caught a 12 incher. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? And like the fish had came on like a spinnerbait or something, you know? And the dude, I'll never forget, reaches down and picks up a different bait than what the fish was caught on. It was a jerk bait that he picked up. And he turned the boat around and went to killing them. <laughs> I was like, how did you know off that one bite? And he's like, I've just seen it before. <laughs> like I knew. And I mean, I was just amazed. Um, Scott Martin and I were in the boat together uh, filming a show for Scott Martin challenge. And uh, we were bumping around. It was in Oklahoma and we were bumping around on this lake. And um, this was when the very first generation of live scope was out. It wasn't the one we have now. It was the 2D one, and I forget what it was called. Panoptic, the original. Panoptics, yeah. Anyway, we're on this lake that I know real well, and typical go make a video, you know, fish aren't biting. And Scott's like, Hallman. I'm like, what? It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. He's like, we got to get some fish while the sun's still low. And I'm like, all right, let's let's go. I got one spot. Guaranteed we're going to catch fish on it. And we pull up there. It's in the middle of the lake. It's a hump. It's got a brush pile on it. And we get up there and we fish it a little bit. Nothing happens. Like, they ain't there. And I'm like, man, I don't know. And Scott takes that panoptics and pans off to the side. Now, dude, this has been – this is like 2018, somewhere around in there. <laughs> he pans off to the side, and there's two fish floating. And he goes, you think those are bass? They're sitting over like 30 foot of water, and they're like seven, eight foot deep, two of them. I'm like, I don't know. He reaches in his rod box and grabs the spinner rod out with a wacky worm on it. And he fires it over there, hits him right on top of the head. And as soon as that worm gets within like three feet, you see one of them blobs go, oop, and starts moving up. I was like, yeah, they're bass. I mean, the second they turned, I was like, yeah, that's bass. I was just amazed. Like with Jason and Scott both, it didn't take 
it didn't take much more than an hour or two to realize that I was in the boat with somebody that was extremely special um, with both of them. And I'm not saying that some of my other friends aren't that gifted, but like it was very clear to me very quickly that those two guys were on a different level. Yeah. that That's a cool experience for somebody like me. It's fished as much as I have. Like I like to see that in my element, you know, I'm not talking about red fishing or salt water, you know, something that's bass fishing one-on-one in my element. Like it doesn't take very long to go. Wow. Like that dude's different. Yeah, that's a cool story. <clears throat> Gabe's checking in, saying thanks for hopping on a few weeks ago. Wishing you good luck. Thank you very much. Ten horse Monty. Are you as uh, anti-sea rig as Panger is? No, I love Carolina rig. I'm not anti-anything that'll get a bite. Yeah, There's no room for pride in what baits you like to... Uh, Carolina rig, Carolina rig catches biggins, catches numbers, covers a lot of water quickly. Carolina rig's got got its place in tournament bass fishing for sure. Actually, I'm glad I came back to this one. You need a freak show hat too. Ooh, freak show! Yeah, I like write, that. Write that one down, Brad. Freak yeah, show. Let me, let me just do that. Freak show. <laughs> Panger, I'll get one for sure. It is a word that we use. I actually got that word from a uh, Russell Cecil in Texas. Is the one that really likes to use it. Russell's weighed in enough 30-pound bags. He knows what it is. Yeah. Chris, uh, for super spooks and vixens and stuff, I like either a 733 or 734, like a Sierra or a Champ Dobbins. Uh, and, and that's braid with a really small floor or mono leader for me, like two, typically 40-pound braid. I was what kind of what kind of falcon do you like for that? Uh Amistad, without a shadow of doubt. Amistad. Amistad's just a seven foot three medium action rod, Rich, and it is like you can do it put all. it on about fifteen different baits, dude. It, it sounds like, like the, the Dobbins Champion seven thirty four. That's how people talk about that rod. Like you can just say, okay, Holman, you can only have fifteen rods, and they're all Amistad's, and I'll be like, all right, we'll figure it out. Like you can make it work with a lot of stuff. Right there, Chris. That's my favorite top water. Is that an original? No, it's a new one, but I got plenty of the originals. Is there a difference between the two? I have actually haven't thrown any. I, I maybe made a few casts with the new ones, the one that came out like this summer, right? That they re-released reinactivations. Yeah. They seem, I mean, I've looked at them like side by side. And they're these are definitely closer to the originals than the Gen 2 ones that were in the middle. Okay. Well, the Gen now, 2s are not the same. Enough to say these are just as good as the originals, I'm not sure. But there is a slight difference in like the eye tie and a couple other things on that Gen 2 one versus okay. the OGs. And this one seems closer. Um, what was the one the Paycheck Bates made? The Repo the Man? The Repo the Man repo is pretty man. much dead on with the OG. Okay. That guy had some artistic ideas too. Bub, yeah. Tosh. Have you ever had Bub on? That'd be a good interview. Only game of us no, ever had Bub on. Uh, no, I've never talked to Bub. But he, uh, I follow him on Instagram. He seems like he'd be a good interview. Oh, he's 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 character. Uh, nope, Sean. I don't really own any rods that short. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I did not get the black one that was limited because I pretty much only throw bone. <laughs> uh, 
Has Falcon considered bringing back the 744 McClellan carriage rod? I've got a feeling that the 744 is the Amistad extra heavy. Because I don't know that for a fact, but I've got a feeling that's the same rod with a different name. Because is McClellan not with Falcon anymore? Is he? Hundred percent still. still oh, he is okay. Right. Oh yeah, he's like he's like Falcon Mafia dude. All right, I, I call remember. those guys Mafia because they've been there so damn long. Yeah. Uh, so of your uh, bass fishing tournament buddies, who's got the the sickest tackle collection? I know he did a YouTube on it. I haven't watched all of it, but I don't think he showed anything. Um, Brian Thrift hmm. has got. I believe that. He's got a lot. And I, I watched a little bit of the YouTube video he did, and it didn't. He's got it all behind the cabinet doors. Uh, Thrift's got a lot. Um, I got an old guy here in town. I don't mean to call you old, but Judicy, Gary Judicy. Yep. Um, you know Judicy? I mean, I really? remember listening to him back in the day when he used yeah, to. It was on BTL with, with Mark back. Well, in be, the day. even before it was BTL when it was right when it was Bass Zone. Whatever. Yeah, like so when they Judici, were literally on X Zone Radio radio station back. That's when I first. Yeah. Judicy was big into. He owns a marketing company called. He did. Or maybe he still does. I don't. I don't know the interactions. Darren Cole's involved now too. I thought. I thought. I kind of think Darren bought it anyway. I don't want to misspeak here, but Gary Judicy owned a big marketing firm in the outdoor industry called Blue Heron. And it was actually based in Norman, Oklahoma. And so Judas, knew a lot of people, him and Kenyon Hill are like brothers. Um, but he had accounts like Smith and Wesson and uh, pure fishing. And so Abu Garcia and all that stuff. Um, where was I going with the story? What tackle are we talking about? We started this. Obnoxiously big tackle collections. Oh yeah. So, Kenyon told me one time, he's like, hey, Hallman, you know, I got some of these. It's like a Vixen or something I'm looking for. He's like, I got some of that over at my storage building. I'm like, okay. He's like, meet me over at the storage building. So I go over to this big, giant warehouse place, and he rents, like, storage building. And when I walk in, I'm like, oh, my God. And it was just like, <laughs> I mean, this place put Bash Pro Shop out of business. They had so much stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's Gary's. Yeah, that's Gary's. Like, and, and, and Kenyon had a lot. I mean, a whole lot. But Judas's stuff was just, and and their two stuff together. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was, it was not organized. I'll say that. But it was a lot. It was a whole lot. Um, it was a lot of damn tackle. I'd like to have some other tackle. I don't know what I'd do with it. It'd probably sit in boxes like theirs does. I want to say Judas. The original show was with Eric Prey, who probably. was a guide off like Tenny Camo and all those lakes over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark was real tied in with all those Missouri guys. So that would make sense. Man, you're going way back. That's impressive. I'm older than I look. How old are you? 44. You do look young. You have no gray in your beard, hardly. There's a little bit. Just uh, Next couple of years, it'll come up on you quick, probably. Yeah. Here's a, here's, a, here's a fun date from TK. Yeah. It's his, uh, the little Debbie Christmas tree cake. So we're going to give one of those away down the member stream on Wednesday night next week. So <laughs> Christmas spirit. Um, catch that, catch a bass on the river with that thing. Yeah. I might have to fish one. Oh, man. We covered some ground. Two and a half hours flies by quick. 
I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's been uh yeah, Tom Tom on sewer, if you ever seen the videos, I think he actually started getting rid of some of his, but he's got like an insane and some of his stuff is like old stuff, like the stuff that Bernie Schultz is into, like that weird yeah. My dad was very into that. Actually, I could pull a whole bunch of that stuff out. My dad's got a bunch of it. I don't even know what it is, but he he loved antique lures. That was his big deal, and he spent some money on it. And he's he he had a collection. I've got a bunch of it because my dad passed away and it's gone. And then my stepmom still got a bunch of it, which I'm sure I'll end up with someday. But I'll probably find some appreciation for it. Um, he's got a lot of that stuff that Bernie's into. A lot. My dad would just go around East Tennessee clicking around, you know antique places and uh, yard sales and stuff and all that stuff in East Tennessee with Watts Bar and all that stuff over there. There was a bunch of that stuff in garage sales and flea markets. I'm more interested in like Vixens. Yeah. I've always been more interested in what I can catch. Like things that are like collectible, but things I intend to fish with. I used to really be into those warts and uh, bought a bunch of those. And then when, McClellan designed that rock crawler rock for Spro. Yeah. It's just like I didn't need that old ward anymore. Yeah. I, I can't say that I've looked for him. I actually gave one away not too long ago on a stream for fun. But I picked a bunch of them up on eBay. They're kind of oddball colors, but like if I ever get the, you know, yeah. to repaint them or something. Um, but that, those are more of the things I mentioned, like some of those things more than like the really old, old stuff. But. Uh, Wayne says, "Does uh, does Castledine fish as fast as it appears on tape?" Yes, he is Van Dam. He covers a million miles. He's of like water. a bigger, stronger Van Dam. He's definitely bigger and definitely stronger. That's son of a gun. Got a Greek god body for a forty-something-year-old. It's just stupid. Oh, so you are you running a bass tank wrap again this year? Um, I've not got all my details down on exactly how it's going to be. They're definitely going to be incorporated and definitely going to be part of it. I believe. Yes. Um, okay. I don't know that it's all the whole boat's going to be bass tank, but, um, Falcon rods is definitely going to have some presence on my, on my boat wrap this year. Nice. So a lot of the same players, the percentage of billboard might shift some. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, you know, you've followed me and, you know, I've visited enough that um, my boys are my boys and then nothing changes. Um, so just trying to get everybody, you know, what they want. Um, I did pick up some new sponsors this year, hmm. um, and I'm excited to rep them next year. Uh, one of them actually had a box here for I don't even know what's in this box, but it came in the mail today. But um, Waterland sunglasses. So okay. I'll be over there with Nick. Um some of those guys at, at Waterland, I'm excited about that. Um, I've got a beatdown mounts, which is a new one, which uh, I think's already been involved with with, with Panger at the Bass Talk Live, and then a uh, Pro Guide batteries is a, is a new one I've picked up, and that's actually a company that's been in business for a long time, forty something years, something in the battery business, a long time. They've always been a big, steady player up here in the uh, Ozarks, so really excited to uh, represent them too. So I've got. All my usual suspects plus three new ones. I've got a I've got a pretty gamut. And dude, honestly, I'm just concerned about being able to make sure everybody gets their love and covering all that. Like that's that's some weight on your shoulders. You know what I mean? Besides just mm-hmm. catching fish, like you know, 
you, you, you want to be able to represent everybody um, in the amount and the positive light that you possibly can. And um, the more that you bring on is great. Um, but it's, it's just trying to figure out how you're going to get all those pieces to fit, right? Social media. But like I said, with everything with, with Travis coming with us next year and stuff, we should be able to cover everybody beautifully. This is the hope. And if you win the opener, you know, that makes it easier too. So. Yeah, if you can hold a blue trophy over your head, it, it, it tends to help too as well. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Ooh, man. Well, I feel like we're at a good spot. I feel like questions have slowed down. I feel like we covered a lot. Um, we'll probably just uh, – maybe we won't wait two years to do it again. Yeah, I don't even know how we've gone that long, to be honest with you. But, uh, man, we just get busy and, uh, you know, always doing stuff. But I, I love visiting with you, Rich, anytime. Like I said, dude, I'll never forget driving away from Mississippi River thinking, that son of a gun ain't got a bass in it. And then <laughs> here you are with that bag, and I was like, street cred, check. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, if you guys uh, – if the writers' conferences ever come up that way, if you guys – you and Panger, you know, let me know. Maybe I can uh, – it's not that hard to bop down and say hi. So maybe you can catch a couple of fish to help us figure out how to catch yeah, one. Throw you a couple of bones so you can <laughs> yeah. find something to, to. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Well, dude, All right. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thanks for having me on on your pre Christmas show. I, I, I think it's great to be on here this evening with everybody. And uh, yeah, it was really super fun. It. Merry Christmas. Uh, if you guys came in late, a lot of good stuff tonight. Go back, check out the replay. Um, Facebook, YouTube, or search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app, and you can listen to it when you're driving or working out or walking the dogs or whatever. Um, next week, uh, member stream on Wednesday night. Friday night, having Bass Fishing HQ, um, Ty Berger on. So that'll be a fun show to kind of, that'll be the last one of, you know, we don't take big breaks like Panger, you know, take two weeks off at the end of the year, slacking, you know. I'll give he's him credit. Build, he's he building a new studio, dude. That's what that's four all shows about. a week. I suppose it's a little different, so uh, we'll cut him some slack. But uh, he's got a new yeah. studio coming. Merry that's Christmas, what... be safe, and uh, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. <laughs> Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>